Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Starting this week, we're launching a new show on the Ringer Dish feed, recapping the return of Survivor for its special 40th season. This season features 20 previous winners of Survivor competing for $2 million, the largest cash prize in reality TV show history. Riley McAtee and a rotating guest from the Ringer staff will recap every Thursday. So make sure you subscribe to the Ringer Dish feed for shows like Jam Session, Tea Time, and the new Survivor Recap Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We have a, a special sort of conversation here. We're joined by... Mr. Robot creator, uh, the creator of the film Comet, uh, the director of Amazon's Homecoming, Yes, Sam Esmail. Sam, what's up? Hello. How Hi, are guys. You? I'm so excited to be here. I'm such a fan. Oh, that's very Thank nice. Thank you for inviting me. We're thrilled to have you. Sam, you wanted to play a game with us. I did. Now, I want to know why you wanted to play that game with us, and I also want you to explain the game. Well, explaining it is, okay, I'll, let me start by saying I'm a huge film nerd. As I think anybody who listens to The Watch probably already guessed. And I've always played this game with all my film nerd fans. And so I figured when when I started listening to your podcast, which I'm obsessed with and a huge fan of, I figured, especially with Amanda's sort of counterpoint to, to You're to, loving to this. All of, <laughs> I am, thank you. To yeah. All of Sean's great like I just thought this would be a fun game to play. So the game basically, and again, this is sorry for listeners who are not going to be in on this because it's so inside. It's not even that inside. It's but it's it's really not. Stop it, apologizing. Okay, okay, okay. This I want to apologize. Your time Here we go. Your Here game. we go. It's a good game, and and you deserve it. It's the best director per decade, and the best director who di- who had their debut that decade. Does that make sense? It does. Did I explain that Is, well? Should we use an example to help people understand it? What's an example that we won't, that won't, you know, trample on the choices that we've made here? Well, if we look at this decade, we had a, we had like a number of actually great film directors that made their debut. Jordan Peele with Get Out, Greta Gerwig with Lady Bird, um, Vince Gilligan, Amanda's mm-hmm. favorite with El Camino. In Vince 2019, has made many wonderful things. Well, actually, <laughs> weirdly, and I have made no things. But but it's 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 a it's it's good to bring up Vince as an example because he actually that was his feature de- directorial debut, which is El Camino. Now the thing is, it's not necessarily we're not saying what's the best directorial debut. It's just the director that we appreciate the most that made that debut made their debut in that decade. So I think that there's a couple of semantic complications around this. I know, right? And you know as well as I do that there are student films, there are short films. And we're talking about feature. So, so how, what, let's lay the groundwork. Is yeah, it, because Vince directed episodes of Breaking. He directed the pilot of Breaking Bad, yes. which I think was in in the prior decade. But we're talking feature directorial debut. So that seems easy to parse. It's not as easy to parse as it seems. Now, tell, I, tell me why. Well, are you talking about like Duel? Are you talking yeah. about Sp- Spielberg's yeah. Duel? Spielberg is a is a particularly complex example because because of Night. Are you talking about Night Gallery? Because well, that's TV. Well, so he made a movie when he was seventeen called Firelight for five hundred bucks. And is that is a it, film? Is that a feature film? Even though his parents saw it, and I no would one else? say a featured like a debut, meaning it was released in movie theaters got it okay commercially available commercially available okay those are good ground rules yes i'm glad that we established that because it's going to play into my list later on but i do consider duel to be oh because it didn't get released in theaters well it is a feature film but it was not this is true so i guess duel god but that is considered his 
feature debut, isn't it's it? It's his first full-length movie. Right. Well, what's the movie after that, then? Uh, Sugarland Sugar Express. Express, yeah. Okay. All right, so yes, we'll stick to that. Okay, before we play the game, now that people understand the game, I want to— but, but, but can I just add one other thing? The yeah. interesting thing about this game, and I think we'll, we'll, when we go through it, we'll see, it's where the decades are hard because there's just, like, so many amazing options, and where the decades are not— uh, there's not a lot of options. I just find the conversation around that to be interesting. Well, Specific- it explains a little bit about where movies are and where they're that, going. Exactly. Specifically, the 90s, which I thought was just a burst of like creative, inspirational filmmakers. And then the very decade after that, the aughts, which I struggled. Yes. I struggled to find. Some I have good. some counterpoints to that point, but I, I want to use this as an opportunity to pick a bone with you. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I, I resent you. And I, I <laughs> resent your, your, your appearance on this podcast because what, I, what we need, what this podcast needs, is people like you making movies and not television shows. Well, but and you love movies and you understand film in a very discreet way. Yes, but, and we, we, I mean, I guess we're going to get into it right now. Let's go. But think about, think about indie filmmakers. What happened? Like, let's take Ryan Coogler, who loved Fruitvale, right? Amazing. What happened to him after he made Fruitvale? He went into the machine. He went into the machine. And that's what's happening with a lot of these other directors. And that that's the difference between the 90s and now. So I think... Like of- if PTA came out with Hard Eight today, is he making, you know, Batman in two years? And, and by the way, no, not dissing on Batman. I'm excited for... Um, uh, what, what's his Matt name? Reeves. Matt Reeves' version of it because I'm a fan of his. But um, I think it's just the industry is like dictating a lot of what directors are doing now. And, you know, and that... To, to Amanda's point, that's the machine that we're in right now. So, and that's more of a reflective of the decade. So, t- so to to get to my TV point, TV is where you get to make the interesting shit. I don't know if I could have made Mr. Robot as a feature. In fact, I tried. Well, I got, that was my fault. I got a little long winded with the script. <laughs> How long like, was that? That that like forty five hour film. No, um, that feature film. Well, I wrote ninety pages of it, and I wasn't even into. Act two, and that's when I realized I was in trouble. Was there a, a, a divergent path for you where after Comet, you could have just doubled down and said, I'll stay, I'll continue to stay kind of broke, but I'll keep making movies? Well, yeah. I mean, that was the plan. I was going to make Mr. Robot as an indie feature. And then I got stuck with it. And Steve Golan, um, who, uh, uh, you know, owns Anonymous Content, who um, read the pages of Mr. Robot. And at the time, True Detective had just come out and he had just... Uh, he had just produced that, and I thought, well, wait a minute. Well, this is fucking cool, and I don't need to do anything with this. I don't need to refashion the script that I had in mind and fit it into this two-hour box. And honestly, I was just really more—I I remember thinking I was way more excited about True Detective than I was about anything else that came out that year. Interesting. Amanda, what are your thoughts on True Detective? Because I have no idea. I don't love True Detective. No, thank you. Yeah, I, I think I think the first True Detective. Season. Yes, the first season. I think True Detective on its face is like a, a, an accomplished piece of television filmmaking. And also, I'm a huge fan of Kerry Fukunaga, always and forever. Uh, Perhaps not for the same reasons as Sam. Yes, but to me, it actually, rep, it was such a turning point. What do you think th- his best thing that he's done? I'm not even going to say. Well, film I love or TV. Jane Eyre. Okay, I haven't I haven't seen that, and I haven't seen the new uh, Bond movie yet, but I'm really looking forward to it because I'm also a Bond person, and and also I just you know I think True True Detective is 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 Carrie's best thing. 
I think that's probably true. But but my issue with True Detective is not actually True Detective itself. It is um, the dialogue around True Detective. And also, sure. I think that's a pivot point in terms of when and how we started evaluating TV in terms of tracking shots and the actual, just the the athletic like filmmaking. As By the way, I have to, to bring this TV up. TV as an experience. What is this athletic yeah. flex? Now and then on Twitter, people are now saying slaps. What what is all? I don't understand. <laughs> you want us to explain yeah, the dialogue of the internet? Well, let's start with athletic because Amanda, I, yeah. I've heard you use this a lot, and I, that, I've been so, on a lot of sets. I've never heard anyone say that's the word an observation athletic. that I think the first person who used it was uh, my friend and the TV critic Willa Paskin, and I think it puts its finger on this idea. It's of, funny that you bring her up yeah. because she wrote this. She wrote it was a harsh. I mean, whatever, I respect her reviews, but she dissed my one episode of Mr. Robot where it was all one tracking shot, which I assume is what you mean by athletic. Because I do think that uh, filmmaking and TV and everything is more than cameras and more than where the camera is. And there is such a fixation on the, the more is more aspect of filmmaking. And I think that the tracking shot is an encapsulation of that. And people are just like, oh, wow, did you see what he did? That was so cool. Oh, my God, the camera, it was moving, I, you know. Uh, but don't you think it, but don't you think it hasn't, to me, every every sort of choice that you make with the camera has an effect. And yes, to some extent, it just, it takes you out of it and it draws attention to itself. But to some extent, it really, I mean, what do you think of the Copacabana shot in Yeah, Goodfell? of course. And I, and I do actually, I think even the tracking shot in True Detective is effective, but you know, we're doing a podcast right now that is an, essentially about how we talk and think about film and like establishing a canon of sorts. And the canon is so reliant on where do we put the camera and what did they achieve and on showing us. And I both like don't respond to that artistically. At some point, I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like fancy camera shots. You got it. Congratulations to you. But I do also think it distracts from the other equally important points of filmmaking that don't get enough credit. I think code is also. Uh, I, I, specifically athletic is, is code for masculinity. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's code for this sort of um, the might of the male filmmaker. Now, that's not always true. If you watch like Strange Days, for example, Catherine Bigelow is doing a lot with the camera yeah. Yeah. that is unorthodox and cool and might have what would otherwise be deemed a kind of masculine energy. But I do think that True Detective and largely the dialogue, like you're saying, was about a lot of dudes being like, yo, this is sick. Now, but personally, you, you, I thought it was sick. Oh, okay. But I don't, I would, I was not a fan of those scripts and I don't think that story is very strong, but I thought that show was really well made. Right. And that's also, that actually is enough for me sometimes if something is really well made. If, if it feels like there, those choices are being made that help character, help story, improve upon what's on the page, which sometimes it happens and sometimes right. it doesn't. Right. I mean, where did you fall on the 1917? you know, debate. We, we used, we just went through all this. It's so weird because with 1917, you know, what, what I just mentioned, we, we did a long tracking shot for one episode, Mr. Robot. And, and I guess because I know too much about what goes into pulling that off, I saw every stitch and to weirdly every stitch that felt so obvious where I I felt like we would have tried to be a little more creative and not hide. I mean, even my mother-in-law, was pointing out the stitches and and my mother-in-law <laughs> does not know very much about filmmaking um so so I think I got in in my head way too much with the film I, so I don't think I can have past fair judgment on it but yeah I was I was pretty much more watching the technique than mm-hmm. I was following the story and that that and, is not a and, success and I don't 
mean to underestimate technique. I have no technique, and it's very hard to pull those things off, as yeah, you yeah, said. Yeah. So I, I just find that when it gets in the way of like a fuller yeah. appreciation, I do find that well made is so often code for. I didn't like anything else about it, but I appreciate the fact that things are put together. Well, it's, it's like saying a film is interesting. You know, it's like oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I will. Eh. I will say with the one episode of, of Mr. Robot. The com- the best compliment I ever got on that episode, and um, multiple people came up and said this, they didn't even realize that it was a winner until yeah. like until halfway through the episode. Some people didn't even realize until later after someone else told them. So for me, that was like exciting because I, I agree with you in general. I don't think the filmmaking should ever get in the way. But at the same time, I don't think it should be div- – I don't think it should get completely Absolutely out of the not. way. And a lot of times I think movies – do that. They lean in the opposite direction and it, you're just watching coverage. You know, you're just watching a master shot, a close-up, close-up, medium. So, to me, the better example to have this conversation, and we don't get a chance to talk about TV all that much here, is, and it's not because you're here, but it's Homecoming, which the way that that, the way that you shot that really more informs atmosphere, character, and story. And obviously there are a lot, there's a lot of homage to maybe some directors we'll talk about here and some films that you like a lot, but also... Without that filmmaking style, that story would not have worked as well if it hadn't been quite so um, intimate the way that it's shot. If you didn't have your sort of your Dutch angles, your Alan Bakula style, um, a a shadow and distance from certain characters. It's interesting. Uh, You know, Rob Reiner. Can we talk about Rob Reiner for a second? Because what an interesting beginning to a filmmaker's career. And then just sort of, it just sort of, I don't know what happened. It just sort of dissolved. But you you think about like, and I was going to bring him up when we were talking about the 80s, but... Uh, this is Spinal Tap. That's that's his debut. And then what does he go on to do? Princess Bride. When Harry Met Sally. I mean, hit Stand after hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A Few Good Men, which I was, that's probably the first drama. I was obsessed. I that's, mean, that's our Venn diagram. That's like our Venn diagram. I mean, but I don't think Rob Reiner moves the camera. He does not use the camera in the same way that Scorsese or PTA or Coen Brothers or any of these other filmmakers do. And, I always wondered, would it have served? Would those movies had been on a different echelon if somebody took the camera and, to your to your point, be more athletic with those stories? Or were, were the, I mean, you I know, think they a, would be in a certain corner. But to a lot of people, you just named like the greatest movies of I, all time. I, and you, to you know? me, they're the so greatest movies I, of all time. At some point, it is like pockets. Stand by of, me. I'm not even like listing all of them. Yeah, at some point, it is pockets of influence and taste and like what we take seriously and what our particular canon is. And what I actually really like about this exercise is that it really does so quickly become a personality test yeah. and like, and your own values and what like your own particular canon is. But so that will be, so it's interesting yeah. that you say that because the choices that I made, I think some of them will be eminently predictable, Yes, but some of them will not be. And well, the thing that I like might more closely reflect a Rob Reiner movie than some sort of athletic filmmaking. Now, are you, did you pick the filmmaker that you liked the most or that you thought was the best filmmaker? How, are you saying there's a difference? I'm, <laughs> I am saying that. I am. I am saying um, there's a difference. I mean, in, in the in the voice of God affectation of this podcast, <laughs> um, I think that there is some crossover because, there. Because I'll, 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 I mean, I went, there were too many filmmakers that were just too much of an impression on me that sure. I was like, I had to pick that. I don't know if they're necessarily the best filmmaker that came out of that decade, but for me, Personally, I just had too much of an attachment, and then and then I'll I'll you know I'll flag the ones that I just think you know 
you can't you can't beat them. I mean, I, honestly, we we we're gonna start in the sixties, right? Well, we talked about the forties, and we're ready to go in the forties if you want. Oh shit, I prepared for the. Okay, okay, well, we you're going to have to give me the names. I can do it on the spot. I, I mean, can give you the full is, list is, of the is 40s. Is Kubrick if you 40s? No, Kubrick is 50s. Okay, so Kubrick is obviously. Yes, we Ku- I, we I mean, had a conversation before you arrived okay. about the 50s, and I said that Sam would be picking Kubrick in yeah. the 50s. You're, you're, you're picking Kubrick in the 50s. No, I'm not. Amanda. That's okay. We, we're going to get there. Amanda. <laughs> it's, it's fine. This is an Amanda. exchange of ideas. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. It's good. We're already off to a roaring start. I know. I want you to know that I I met you Who today. Who are you going but to I pick? I knew that you were going to pick Kubrick, and I no, want you to know everybody picks brand Kubrick. is strong. I don't know. No, no, that Your is vision not. is strong. It's like su- there are two Shans. I support you. You keep shining. I love this. You, I want you to know I, I gave this. you a little credit, and I thought that you might go Altman. Uh, I I didn't, but, but I knew it would. You would be torn. I, I he's in my top three. But, uh, yes, I it, know. And Altman is not your pick. No, though I think that would be my backup. Do you, should we wait? Sh- your backup, which is not Kubrick, <laughs> so Kubrick is like third. So I found okay. the I found the fifties to be the most I difficult. Actually, honestly, even more so than the two thousands. How? Even though the, the I don't the, understand the are some of the greatest, but the forties is so loaded. Forties well, to me is. I, I know it's loaded, and we should go. I mean, I think to me it's going to be Wells, right? Because, I mean, at least no, for because me. he starts in the 30s. He no. has a film pre Kane with Joseph Cotton that is shot on the stage that is was the theatrically Sam, released. Look what movie. you've done! Wait a minute, you've opened you've up Spreadsheet yourself. Because you, Susan Kane is this is considered one of the best. This is insane. What is this, Sean? I thought we were going to have fun. How many on minutes this? in are we? Good. And this is just I'll, already I'll, gone I'll to pull hell. The film up for you guys right now, if you'd like. This right. is a theatrically. Oh, I mean, the guy was twenty six when he made Citizen Kane. How old was he when he made this movie? Uh, I mean, he was younger than that. He was still working in the Mercury Theater at the time. Let's take a quick and this look was, at it. This was distributed through a studio. Uh, I believe so. I believe it was RKO because that was when he. Had, when well, he who had were the, the other names in the forties? So I can just start mulling this over. If we're, if I'm I'll, not, I'll be give able you to... my list. Um, and this is a profound list: Elia Kazan, Akira oh. Kurosawa, Ingmar Bergman, uh, Vincent Minnelli, Vittorio De Sica. Roberto Rossellini, Jules Dassin, Nicholas Ray, Robert Bresson, Sam Fuller, John Sturges, Jean-Pierre Melville, John Houston, and then my choice, which I should I be should we be revealing our choices? Are we doing it? Sure. Let's do it. My choice is Preston Sturges. I knew that was gonna be who is my favorite writer of all time. Wait, and where's Wilder? Wilder is the 30s because he made films in France. <sighs> What's your choice? I mean, I gotta think because I I didn't prep. I didn't prep. I mean, that's a tough deck. That's a tough. Yeah, mine. You didn't read mine. Uh, Really? Yeah. Oh, great. Stanley Donen and Gene Kelly. Uh, Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. And I'm taking both of them. That's fantastic. So that's great. The independent and whatever works together. Put both of them. What's your favorite Stanley Donen? Gene Kelly. I'm a simple girl, so it's gonna be singing in the rain. But I have an appreciation for all of them. I, you know, funny face is pretty important. Yeah. To me personally, and and visually, and yes, yes, they can call it to mind. Just just to clear up the uh, Wells thing, the film is called Too Much Johnson. It was released in 1938 by Warner Brothers, produced by John Hausman, directed by Orson Welles, starring Joseph. This Cotton. is what I it's do, like for me I every do day. Not Sam. I can't. Every day. This is awful. Better to be right than wrong. Okay. <laughs> um. God. So you, okay. Should I run it down again? Yes, you need to yes. know. No. No. Please. Uh, do it. John Houston, Kazan, Kurosawa, Bergman, Minnelli, De Sica. Rossellini, Dawson, Ray, Bresson, Fuller, Sturges, Donnan, and Kelly, Melville, and Preston Sturges was my choice. I, I'm gonna. I'll go with. Um, I'll go with Bergman. Okay, I think there's no there's no sense. downside yeah. to that choice. I think we've all made good choices. 
that probably say a lot about mm-hmm. all three of us. That's a good decade. It is. It is. And you got to consider a lot of the kind of heavyweights of this time who are making films at this time started earlier. You know, like the David Leans. David Lean was making movies in the 20s. So we don't see a lot of the, this is like, this isn't, you know, Hitchcock is right. not in the 40s. He starts in the, in the late 20s. So it's a pretty amazing that even without some of the most hallowed filmmakers in history, you still get that When lineup. is Fellini? Fellini's coming up. Yeah. Is he 50s? He's mm-hmm. 50s. Should, do, really? Do, do we need a long list for the 50s again? Um, no, because it's Kubrick. Kubrick. It's, it's Kubrick. And I fucking love Fellini. I mean, He's my fuck. backup. He's my number two. When is when is Benoit? Well, uh, Unchen Andalou is, I believe, well, 1929. That's short, and that's a short. Theatrically released, though. Wait, we said feature directorial debut. So then I guess his feature, I think, is not until the 50s, right? What, what is it? Is it Belle de Jour? What's his first film? I can't remember. This is This is, we're going deep cut. Okay, Amanda, you go, 50s. Sidney Lumet. Oh, I love Sidney Lumet. Me too. Thank you. He was my f- number four. Yeah. Does it, but wait, you, so better than Kubrick. D- talk about that for a second. Yeah, well, it's just because the, Kubrick. It's the type, again, it's it's the thing of does, emphasis. Does, does, you and I are going to have a like but a supportive I, but fundamental. Amanda, I just want to understand. Did Kubrick make a bad movie in your eyes? No. And I know that Sidney Met made a lot of bad movies, but like okay, that's so, kind of the fun. I appreciate the wide ranging, gonna try everything. Have were, you ever, were Lumet's highs higher for you than Kubrick's? No, highs? that's on, that's my next in question. In terms of what I respond to in a movie and like how like it influenced my movie watching, yes. Like I like I just like an, a, an adult grown up drama where people are talking about ideas and yelling at each other, and I think I learned so much of that. So this is like Sydney more of Lumet. an emotional connection you have with Sidney Lumet. Yeah. Okay. I think he I'm, goes back to that thing we're talking about, which it's sort of the Rob Reiner thing. It's right. It it's, is, he was great with actors, had a great eye for scripts. During great the storyteller. Yes. And I think was good at, was obviously a sophisticated filmmaker, but not no flash. No flash. No, no flash no, at no all. None whatsoever. A, a theater and television guy who brought that ethic to filmmaking. And I like the like the wide-ranging approach. I like that he's making different things. I mean, he made Murder on the Orient yeah. Express, which as like a Agatha Christie person, it's not even my favorite Agatha Christie thing, but I like that he tried. He made the group, an adaptation of the group. Do you know what the group no. is? No. So this is Lumet you're talking about. Yes. So the group is a Mary McCarthy novel from the, the 30s, I think. Let me check this. I think that's right. Yeah. Because it's, yes. And it's kind of like, it's one of the early books about like young women and women graduating college. It's like, it's it's rude to put it in the lineage of sex in the city, but it's the same idea of it's like a group of young women and they have marriages and they have careers and some things go well and some things right. go poorly. But he just like made that. And it's not very good. It's in the 60s, but I, I like- You I like, like that he's versatile and jumps around. Yeah. Can, can I also throw out a name of a filmmaker that jumps around? Sure. Stanley fucking Kubrick. <laughs> my guy is Stanley sitting, my Kubrick guy goes from a comedy to sci-fi like to war. Years being like, oh, like what should I make next? I don't. I like just. I don't like people. You who like are messier. In, you like messier. I like filmmaker. people trying things. I like confidence. I like you know. Let let's see. You know who else is confident? Sure, yeah. Stanley. I know. Wait, God. this is your chance to talk about why you like Stanley Kubrick. Well, I mean, so. When I was young, right, my like the the movie I watched obsessively for some weird reason was The French Connection because I liked the car chases, and then I got into really slasher, you know, like the 
Halloween, Jason. And I remember just liking Viscera. You know what I mean? I just wanted very similar. I just wanted to feel something crazy yes. and shocking. And then I kind of segued, and this is not resonating. With I don't you know. At all. Like try being a woman, you feel something shocking all the time. <laughs> anyway, that's life. You're, okay. Keep going though. I'm um, with you. Okay. Your time to shine. And then I went to, and then my, my my taste went to Rob Reiner, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, where where it was like these like poppy films, but they were kind of slightly subversive. But I remember they were just, you know, they were super entertaining and they kind of had a little something to say that was off the, you know, off the beaten trail. And then in high school, someone suggested doing a Kubrick film festival. And even though I'd wanted to be a filmmaker and I fancied myself a film nerd, I'd never heard of Kubrick. In fact, I thought he was like a cinematographer. And I'm like, isn't he a DP? And no, 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 this is a director. So... This is what I did in high school. We, uh, you know, I was 14. We went to my friend's house at 10 p.m. We stayed up all night and we watched 2001, uh, A Clockwork Orange, Strange Love, and Full Metal Jacket as the sun was rising. That was the last one I remember. And that's when, I mean, that's like a moment when you realize, holy shit, film is much has much more potential than what I had seen up until that point. And by the way, I think I'd seen maybe Goodfellas a couple of years before this and Unforgiven, which masterpiece. And, um, and I'd start getting into Woody Allen, but Kubrick, because to me, Kubrick was like really subversive, was really visual. Like the filmmaking was like off the charts. Um, and he was saying something thematically interesting in every single one of them. And it was like loaded, but not preachy. And then the third thing is, and at least in my opinion, they were all incredibly fucking entertaining. Like, I remember, you know, do you remember the Merchant Ivory run in course, the early yes. 90s? I mean, Careful holy, here, watch out. I mean, you mm -hmm. love those movies, I, right? I yeah, mean, I assume. I, some of them, I like the good ones. I've seen all of them on like certain people at this day. I've I, not seen all of them. I, yeah. I used to force myself to watch them okay. because I was like, this is my vegetables, right? I want to be a filmmaker. Sure. Yeah. The, the, these keep getting nominated for best. Pick. They mm -hmm. never won, right? But it always, no. it was always, it always showed up. Everyone's top ten list, and I read, would read all the critics' four stars, and I just never found them entertaining. I thought they made, they were interesting. The performances were good. The writing was elegant at times, and the, I, I, I'm not even knocking the film. The filmmaking I thought was really interesting, but I was bored, and I've just felt like Kubrick for how, whatever, however he did it, was able to say something important. And do it in this like flashy kind of way, but that didn't draw attention to itself, and that just that just entertained the fuck out of me. It's a very spirited defense. I also chose Guys, Stanley Kubrick. I'm not gonna say that Stanley Kubrick is bad. Stanley Kubrick's a genius. <laughs> like I, you're not gonna bait me into that. What's your favorite of his films? Yeah. I know that you will think that this is surprising. Well, I was about to say The Shining, but maybe I say Eyes Wide Shut. I, w I would have guessed that. Yeah, because I do like the the metatextual element of, of Tom and Nicole. But even there, what I'm responding to are things that are not actually, he's playing with them in the movie, but it's not, it's not the wacky shit that you're seeing on screen. Right. What about you? What's your favorite? Well, I got, I'll be honest with you. Eyes Red Shut is probably the one I've seen the most mm -hmm. for whatever reason. That's like comfort food to me. Um, that's insane. That's insane. Yeah, I, I understand that. But, God, I don't know. It always goes back and forth between this. Is, I have the same problem with Scorsese. 
I'm always like Taxi Driver, then Raging Gold, and Goodfellas. And but I, I mean, I would have to. I, I'm, I'll probably go with 2001, even though that's like a lame, cliched answer. Mine is Strange Love. It's nice that we have some different choices. So we settled on the 50s. Well, what? No, what did you? Are you going Kubrick? I'm going Kubrick. My 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 order would have been Kubrick, Fellini, Altman, Lumet. Yeah. Um, Fellini. and then you know, we, like Truffaut is the 50s, and Tarkovsky, and. Blake Edwards, like a lot of different kinds of film. Sadajit Ray comes along at that time. Like there are a lot of important filmmakers who come along at this time, but a lot less than in the 40s and a lot less than in the 50s, which is over the 60s rather, which is pretty interesting. I don't really know what accounts for that. And a lot less when we get to the 70s, right? For sure. Should we go to the 60s? Let's this is 60s. like being on a really bad date in college. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I took that as a compliment. I don't know. How. <laughs> Um, all right, 60s. Couldn't yeah. you just say that about every episode of the yes, show? Yes, I could. I could say that about pretty much every adult choice that I've made. So I, I don't know. Again, this is this podcast is a personality test. 1960s. Um, what are the what are the options? There are There's so many. So many. I'm sure. And this I, was a good decade. It was. This I like that I missed decade. some in the 50s. I hope I missed mm-hmm. some in the 60s too. But I'll give you my lineup. Okay. Mike Nichols. I love Mike. Nichols. Woody Allen. I mean, complex conversation. Let's the films of Woody Allen. Yes. Uh, speaking of the films of Roman Polanski. Oh my God. Sergio Leone. Ugh. Sam Peckinpah. Mel Brooks. I, I am so excited to hear what Amanda is going to pick. George Lucas. Because you, mm-hmm. you, you're not going to go wrong on this one. That's true. Milos Forman. Jean Luc Godard. You did go wrong on the last decade. William Friedkin. Jacques Demy, Brian De Palma, Jesus Christ, George Romero, Bob Fosse, Bernardo Bertolucci, Sidney Pollock, Werner Herzog. I want to remember this decade when we get to the nineties. Okay. So let's okay. just let's just okay. make this a Alan callback. Pakula, and then of course Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese. So that's amazing. Now, one thing that is not there: not a single woman. We haven't had a single woman. On any of these, I know, lists. but this is when the industry starts to open up. Okay. This is when the new Hollywood starts to formulate. Oh, really? Why do you theoretically? Think, can you we get talk to, about that for a second? Why course. do you, why do we think that this was such a a birth year for amazing filmmaking talent? I have, I mean, I have theories. I also have a lot of received wisdom from you know Manny Farber and Andrew Saris and Pauline Kael and all the people that I was reading when I was growing up trying to figure this out. Some of it is that international cinema starts to infect the brains of young Americans. And so what you get is this incredible, fertile period of 19-year-olds getting excited about Bergman or Rossellini or, you know, and then simultaneously you've got all of these kids in France who are just absolutely American movie crazy right. and are obsessed with Hitchcock and obsessed with George Cukor and, and, and Howard Hawks and are using those movies to make their own movies. So you take those two things and, you know, the French sort of starts to happen before the Scorsese's and the Coppola starts to happen. And you get this 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 boomlet. In addition to that, Hollywood, I think, runs out of ideas for how to make successful movies. And in the mid-60s, you get this weird glut of overloaded bad musicals and big-time flops. And they start to take more chances on kids who have a lot of big ideas. See, that that, that, that last part, and I think, we're, again, we're do a callback in the 90s. But I love that. I do think that it was somewhat the failure of the machine that required the studios to look elsewhere for talent and so that, that I, if we if we want if, if we want to add one woman i think that the one significant female figure who emerges at this time is agnes varda she's so not in the she's, i have her on my list i mean she's, she's not in the 60s i thought she was 50s she's yeah. technically made a film in the 50s i don't know if what? that film ever got released well i had her down in the 70s no what because Cle- cleo from five to seven is the early 60s 
she does a lot of I think her best oh, movies. Oh wait, wait, you're right, you're right. Okay, I but like there right. is a film in the fifties that she releases, La Pancourt. It's like an important movie, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't. I, I, you don't have okay. to. Nobody defend cares about it to this. me. Yeah. Nobody cares about it. Agnes I've Varda is obviously very important as well. Yeah, I mean, Vagabond is yeah. like she's the best. Film. So, okay, so wait, so can I start this sixties thing? Did I forget anybody on your list? No. Well, you um, you skip. Did you say Fassbender? I did not. Come on. So Rainer Werner Fassbender. Yes. I mean, um, man, you got of... everybody else on my list. Go ahead, Amanda. So I think we should have a conversation about all the many wonderful filmmakers that you just named, including like the person that I actually wanted to pick. But I basically, I think you're a coward if you don't do either Scorsese or Coppola in this. And I feel like that is sort of the essential who are you. Well, what about the, Woody? I, again... You'd still say Scorsese or Coppola over I, Woody? Don't you just feel like that's sort of the fundamental... Anything else seems like a cop-out to me. I... It's, so it raises an interesting question about this game, which is, is it about the totality of the person's career? Is it about the, their longevity? I mean, we're, let's... That's, well, I know, that's why that's, it's, those two are interesting. Yeah. It kind of, it boils I, it down. I think Woody has more masterpieces, in my opinion, than Scorsese and Coppola. You don't agree with that? I mean, just because he, the output is more. I'm not even like... But that also means simultaneously so he's got more he duds. He has more duds. Yeah. Now, if we're doing grade point average, fine. But then Amanda needs to change Lumet to Kubrick from the 50s. But if we're just doing, like, how many great films did the guy make? Woody. I mean, I'm just saying if you, he's probably yeah, in that block at, at least. Let me put it to, let, me, let me reframe so that you can slightly. Do it three. Sergio Leone never made a bad movie. He made six movies. They're all classics. I mean. So how, how do we measure this? And not only are they classics, three of them are like if in the a- top 100 ever. If you ask Quentin, he'll say great point average. You know, because right. right. he cares. That's what matters to him. Yeah. Is everyone being a hit? To a, me, a hit. I just remember growing up thinking Woody is just, I, I re- really respond to just creativity. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that motherfucker every year puts something out. And for the most part, especially in the initial run from the 70s to the 80s, they were all pretty mostly good, if not masterpieces. Nothing below a B plus, basically. Right. Yeah. It wasn't until recently, in the last maybe 15 years, that mm-hmm. he started to fall off. So I remember admiring that a lot. And I remember being frustrated with filmmakers. Like, you commented this about Kubrick, and I, I take that criticism where they take seven years in between movies. It's and, a little precious, yeah. And, yeah. And then it's just like, come on, just try something. So, just go for it. So I don't know. It's it's up to us how, how we want to... It's complicated, too, because some people, some filmmakers, as you know, have incredible 10-year stretches or 20-year stretches and then have very, very poor back nines where they don't really make really anything. That That's usually what happens, right? Yes. It's, so, it's what it's you can argue that with Coppola if you want to. Yes. Although I haven't seen his recent. Did you see Sean like Tetro and stuff like yeah, that? Did yeah, you I've see seen it? all those movies. Um, no, tw- Twixt. I've seen Twixt. Uh, they're they're what you're saying they're not they're not. These very, are titles. Those are movie titles. Yes, those are okay. small films that he made. Some in Italy um, that are not. Isn't very, it not very good? Isn't it fucking crazy that he's making movies that no one's heard of or is talking about, and he perhaps directed the best film ever made? He hates Hollywood. And he hates the apparatus. I feel the same. Like so, De Palma, by the way, is like a personal. Mm-hmm. Like okay, mm-hmm. if yeah, we're talking yeah. about the director, I watched obsessively out of all the uh, and Pakula, I would say it's those two and Woody, but primarily De Palma, just because to use your word, athletic, mm-hmm. you can't 
say De Palma without saying, I guess, using that word athletic? Yes and no, though. I think he also kind of um, invented things that would that are showy but don't have that same masculinity per se. It's more just like— Maybe I'm not the split screens. understanding the word athletic. Well, I don't think that—like, do you think split screens or, like, match cuts <laughs> yeah. or that, that kind of stuff is athletic or is it just stylistic, stylish? Well, it's—I don't think it's athletic. I think it's stylistic and also often showy. Which and they and they are so related. That is not, they are they're related, but they're separate. Is athletic just oneers? No, though I think that it's like a dominant force of it. It's it's really I don't I you know number one, Willa Paskin made this up, not me. And also two, like we haven't written the film dictionary about this, but I associate it with just um, the portrayal of filmmaking as like a an actual physical achievement. Uh, like and not just like a like a technical like a, you mean like a, a technical like a, but almost like an endurance an like endurance. A, an element yeah. of like the idea that we went to war in order to make this movie or, or also oh, yeah. I see. is I a see. version of this like Apocalypse Now would be athletic yes filmmaking yes because yes. yeah, sure. that was sure. you know yes. yeah and I think okay. I think and, Michael Bay could be an athletic filmmaker if you wanted to describe right. it that way it's not only the sort of refined art of cinema Copacabana shot it's also like a there's a kind of a power implied there also um i think if you're an innovator i wonder how that how much that matters like if kubrick innovates steadicam well so is kubrick athletic no not in the same way i don't know i'm making this up on the spot i wouldn't think of him that way primarily because you have picked up on something um dismissive in the valence of athletic and that is true and the i it's it, it is. Or, it, wait, I innovation actually, plays a I part in avoiding do, the athletic aspect of it. I think that's perceptive. When Sean. you use that word, yeah. are you using it pejoratively? Often, yes. Though I wouldn't have said that out loud until you picked up on it. But again, this is a wonderful therapy we session. Are, yeah. yeah, we're. One of the things is we're all listening to each other. Yeah, it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. But wait, can I? Here's my thing. To the extent that this is an exercise where we examine and or create like the canon, as it were, I think that you just have to you have to take a stand between Scorsese and Coppola in terms of where the canon is, and then we can all talk about our favorites because mine is you know. Well, I would throw in Woody, Mm -hmm. and I would say Woody. Okay, if if, if, you're taking Woody, okay, I like the pick. I admire the pick. I, I don't admire our inability to talk about Woody Allen in uncomplicated ways anymore. It's kind of sucks that that's the case. Setting all that aside, um, there's no there's no case for Mel Brooks, right? Who only made 11 movies. He's great. And who who is not known as a filmmaker. You're allowed a personal yeah. pick as well. I wouldn't well. choose him because over Martin Scorsese. I'm not okay. insane. Yeah, wait, wait. Right. We're doing yeah. just the... If yeah. we were only picking between yes. those three. Yeah, because I let's But then we're gonna know, pick our real, a, yes, exactly. our real yes. our Oh, real you're saying yes. we're picking between Scorsese, Coppola, and Woody as the power trio? Yeah. Yes, and My then, pick and then would then, always and then, be Scorsese. I agree with you. But I I'm, I'm you surprised so? that there's no I did this with my husband and he was like Coppola. And 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 it, it was a little bit about the argument of the highest highs and versus the See, I think Goodfellas is better than Godfather. I it's it's pretty neck and neck for me. I also it's Scorsese's movies are the movies that made me feel more alive. I, I agree to that point. I agree. I, I I mean, like I love The Godfather, but I admire it more than I enjoy it. I mean, and then it goes same goes with Godfather Part Two, which I actually like more than Godfather Part One. But and honestly, the conversation I probably watched way more than either one of those. Same with uh, Apocalypse Now. But Scorsese, I mean, Taxi Driver. I obsessively watched and rewatched. Wait, you picked Scorsese? Yeah, of course. Okay. 
And what's your favorite Scorsese movie out of curiosity? Uh, that's a great question. I don't do I I don't know if I have a favorite. I think it's it's what more like a body two? of work. I mean, I love the age of innocence. If you just want to get the other thing is he kind of checks your lumet checks, box. Exactly. He does a He's lot of different all sorts kinds of things. Films. And I'm responding to like a, a vision and a like a mind as much to any one given film, which I guess is how I am evaluating these people. But you know, I Goodfellas, I'm I'm not a monster. Yeah. I don't understand the plot of Goodfellas totally. That's one of my worst takes. <laughs> I just like, I don't really understand how the mafia works still, but uh, incredible movie. Wolf of Wall Street, please yeah. respect. And I, The well, Irishman, which, you know. I mean, that's the other case yeah. is that he just has just an incredible, say what you, you may not like Shutter Island, you may not like I Hugo. I love Shutter Island. You know, like, if, even if you don't like those films, you can't deny that he has stayed in the center of film culture, which is so amazing for somebody in their 60s and 70s. It's just so uncommon. Even Kubrick, who really just made two movies in between 1981 and 2000 before he passed on. I mean, that's two movies. That's it. Scorsese's made like 15 movies in this century. Okay, but now let me throw in Woody. That's true. Yeah. Okay. A lot of those movies got, suck. Okay. So if we're talking great point average, fine. I can, you, you know, you just argued that Mar Marty, okay, some of his movies weren't the best, right? Um, but Woody, I mean, can, should we run down the list? I mean, Take the Money and Run, Bananas, Sleeper, Annie Hall, Manhattan, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Hannah and Her Sisters. What's your I mean, favorite? Oh, this is another tough one. I, I I probably always say Manhattan, but Deconstructing Harry is up there for me. Yeah, I mean, that's a good one. Amanda, are you, what are your vibes on Woody Allen? I love a lot of things that owe a lot to Woody Allen, if that makes any sense. And so I respect... But you and, you admire not you know it's interesting because it's when you come to stuff right and I have seen I think that I saw a lot of Noah Baumbach movies and a lot of romantic comedies before I saw Annie Hall or oh. any of the and and so you it, you just don't respond the same way and so I respect as as much as it, which again this is a complicated conversation that, you know there is the fact that he is so a part of right. his movie that is such a like a personal thing that does make it like slightly I, more complicated I than agree. the average conversation. But I, I think everything that you're saying is right. I just you, because of the way that I watched movies, I came you to, came to it a I little came later. to the I came to it after I you watched saw the, the influences. You watched yeah. yeah, you watched the influences before. What about you? Crimes and misdemeanors. Oh, I love that movie. I think that's probably the you most know, complex I can't thing honestly I used to maybe rewatch three or four of his movies every year, like Nonstop Manhattan, definitely. I haven't done that in the last five years. He also is not, um, this is going to seem strange, but he's not really in the streaming world. People are not re-watching his work the way that they might re-watch even some of the other masters. But I think to Amanda's point, it's complicated to re-watch because he is in every single movie. Absolutely. And a lot of the, like, I mean, when, when we were doing the top TV shows of the decade on The Watch, you know, Louis was a, Show that I fucking love. You put it on your list, and I can. I did not put it on my list. I thought you did put it. No, on No, I, I, I took it off because I can't rewatch Louis, oh. and I think that's got to factor into how much I love something. Because I mean, now that when I re, if you rewatch some of those episodes in light of everything, it's it's a hard thing to take in. Well, it's a hard more thing than anything, to, I yeah. think, is one of the most complicated rewatches around. I mean, what do you do with that movie? I will say just also regardless of all of the extremely complicated issues, the fact that he is such a a, a person and in his movies and it is such a specific viewpoint 
Um, I don't relate to Woody Allen as much as I relate to other people who make movies just because I'm I'm a woman and I guess I am maybe nebbish, but I don't know. So uh, there, there is also you have a different this, kind of anxiety. Thank you very much. Yes. That's a generous way of putting it. So to me, the personality thing that is such an innovation and I do think speaks to a lot of people is also ultimately like a, I don't want to say a limitation because I think the movies are fantastic, but that's maybe why I'm not as like wild about it as you are. Sam, copy copy that. that. My final choice is Scorsese. What is your final choice for the 1960s? I, I mean, you're going to hate Wait, can this. I do my personal uh, yeah, yeah, favorite? Yeah, I almost did. got... Oh, you didn't choose your... Well, I almost got cute and did my Nick, Mike Nichols. And I think Mike Nichols is my honest answer. Ugh, He's phenomenal. I love yeah. Mike Nichols. Also made a lot um, of misses, but... That's true, but the good ones are just... I agree. I, I went back and forth with the Palma and P- Pakula, but I, I I just I just went with Pakula. I I I, 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 I it's just too. You check out the Clute criterion. Oh my it's god, unreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unreal. No, no, I mean, look, Amanda's here, so okay. we can't go right, not now. too deep <laughs> into it. But um, the guy's a master. I mean, have you you've seen his films, right? Yes, of course. And do you do what do you? How do you feel about? <sighs> I you can't say that them. I like spent a lot of time with them, to be honest. It's like a, a tick box. I don't mean to be rude about this no. is like being on a bad date in college, but there, you know, a lot of things get handed to you from the ages <laughs> well, of all like the president's 16. men, though, I feel like it's fairly universal. Yeah, of course. Pop of film course. Away. Parallax view. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I like okay, that. Sure, yeah. But you don't know. No, I. Again, They're vegetables, like, like no, the merchant no, ivory. No, 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 not even no. vegetables. No. And I don't mean to, I, everyone we're talking about here is excellent in making films. It's, it's, it's honestly, my reactions are more to people nerding out about them at great length. And because it's what people oh, respond I see. to. And That's what you mean by the bad college. Yeah. Date. It's yeah, the yeah. conversation around the movie. Yeah. As opposed to or the just movie like, itself. I, I mean, do you God, know how many times about I've Bacula seen the lot? fucking last waltz? Do you want to know how many times? Do you want to? That is just like the date move for every single boy born between like 1975 and 1990. <laughs> Pretty wide range there, by the way. That's me. But I, I don't care. I don't care about The Last Waltz. I can't believe there's another ba- documentary about the band coming. How are we doing this? Uh, Amanda, shame on you. Um, <laughs> at the risk of this being a, a three-hour podcast, I think we should go to the 70s. Okay, here we go. Um, what what hour mark are we at? We're about 40 in, <laughs> okay, 45 maybe. Okay. Well, okay. I'm, I'm thinking potentially of making this a two-part episode. Because <laughs> uh, so, that was a good conversation, and I don't want to not have good conversations, but we have— by the way, I'm going to, go. to embarrass myself. Yeah. I've never seen The Last Waltz. Wow. Does that, that's, again, does that, that impress you? No, that's <laughs> Shame on you, Sam. I guess you weren't dating men <laughs> of that generation. That's no, okay. But by the way, I don't remember a lot of people talking about Pakula either. Pakula I, was not even in film school. I don't remember yeah, He was people. running in like seventh place in the atmosphere yeah. of 60s and 70s directors. People were talking like, about Fellini and Bergman. No, I think that's true, but— you know, it, to any extent, unless you're like given all of these movies at the age of five, which I was not, you kind of create your own sure. your education yep. and I should go see this and I should go see that. And even the sources of who you're consulting be like, oh, I guess I should, you know, check out this movie. They 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 had a pattern for me for a while. I think what has emerged here is <laughs> Sam is standing in for all the guys who listen to this show who are like, I could do a better job of engaging with Amanda than Sean does. <laughs> <laughs> And frankly, um, that's that's true. Uh, 1970s. <laughs> Should I do a long list? Yeah, I want to okay. hear it. We got the we got the Johns. Mm-hmm. We got John Carpenter, John Waters, John Landis, John Wu, and Jonathan Demi. We Demi, got, Demi, don't sleep on Demi. I'm not sleeping no, on. Him. Yeah. I feel like you both are going to sleep on no. Demi. You'd be surprised. David Cronenberg. 
David Lynch, Ridley Scott, Albert Brooks, Heo Miyazaki, Errol Morris, Clint, Clint Eastwood, Terrence Malick, Hal Ashby, Dario Argento, Nicholas Rogue, Stephen Frears, Paul Verhoeven, Peter Weir, Chantal Ackerman, Wes Craven, Oliver Stone, Terry Gilliam, Walter Hill, Paul Schrader, Warren Beatty, and Steven Spielberg. Did, Holy shit. Did you say yeah. Almodovar? I ha- I see I saw the eighties for him. Is it he in the seventies? Yeah. Uh Folly 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 I'm gonna butcher this Folem Tim with an exclamation mark. Tim. Well, if he goes the into the seventies, then he goes into the seventies. Yeah. So that's makes it even harder. Um now again not <laughs> This is a hard one because I have a strong personal, but I think to me there's a there's oh, interesting. Talk this through is it. your Talk game, man. Yeah. Talk through it. I mean, your well, personal is David Lynch, right? No, that's my oh, like that's your clear undisputed. Winner. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I'm not I didn't oh. go there. Oh. Wait, who who's better? Uh, this is going to be have, a little bit like Kubrick Yeah, you're going to yell at me again and that's fine. But no, because I do have a lot of good personal. And for me, oh, fuck. I mean, Demi is like He's, he's my number two. He's he's there. He's my he's, number two. You he's didn't in do my Demi? Heart. I thought you might. I, I thought about it. My husband did. Just to, that's, that's, I'm in hell. He also has, uh, I don't want to be rude, but he has some duds. He's got some actually actively bad films w- w- while also having a few films that kind of like scrape the ceiling of greatness. When I was thinking, when Parasite won and shocked me, I was like, oh my God, the actual, yeah, the best picture won the best picture. Um, I went back and thought about like my other favorite best pictures. Um, and, you know, I think, I think no country comes up, but even mm. that year, which was like a great year for, if you recall, Michael Clayton came out that year and there will be blood came out that year. And probably personally, I would give the slight edge to there will be blood, but silence of the lambs. Yeah. One of the best, best picture winners. And what a weird movie to fucking win best picture. It was also the last five for five. The last time, oh, yeah, that's picture, right. Director, right. Director, writer, actor, actor actress, actress. yeah, um, and isn't that is a movie that there is like no debate about, and it's interesting. Like there is a debate still weirdly in the world about Goodfellas, but Silence of the Lambs, no one has. There's, there's no, an, there's no conversation. Exactly. There's um, no ding against Silence. I mean, what a per. I mean, this is what I mean because I keep going back to the word entertaining because again, a lot of a lot of best picture winners, especially, suffer from the lack of entertainment, and Silence of the Lambs is just like checks all it is not pretentious in the slightest yet it is so artfully rendered and so beautifully made and the writing is i mean i could go on and on but it is the same thing as parasite too which is it is just straight up accessible entertainment yes if you want it to be just a movie for to to watch on a friday night it serves is that athletic no here's the thing if you make a great movie then you don't so parasite was not athletic no but like as as you it just identify, was more it is. But it is, but no, it is. I, we I, made, you are the, the stewards of this turn. You guys can't take over all of film history and also <laughs> athletic. Okay, I get to decide what it applies well, to. We're asking what it doesn't you. Apply to. We're asking you. We're, no, we're, we want to understand. I thought you were very perceptive when okay. you understood that athletic was an insult. <laughs> and th- this is the other thing about about me and my taste, which is like, if a movie is like truly excellent, then none of my other rules apply because I am particular and I have a lot of rules. But there are films that just come together in a transcendent way. Right. And then it doesn't matter if it's like, well, I haven't seen a superhero movie yet that did it, but maybe it will. So it's, it doesn't, no, it's not athletic to answer your question. The other personals of the seventies is, is probably Cronenberg and Hal, Hal Ashby. Hal Ashby is a tough one because he made four, right? 
during the seventies? Four films? No, did he? No, how he many made films? Nine films, I think. Yeah, but a lot oh, of them oh, are, oh, oh, oh. are not like the not, Slugger's not, Wife and right, stuff. Right, People right. don't care about that stuff. But he made four knockdown like classics. Yeah. Anyway, he's he's up there. Go you go. Oh, seventies. Yeah, uh, you well, haven't picked yet. Yeah, right? I'm a populist, so I'm going with Steven Spielberg. Okay. I'm, that was a joke. I'm not a populist, but it is Steven Spielberg <laughs> for me. I don't know. I, you know, Spielberg undeniable. is one of the reasons why I wanted to be a filmmaker. Can I quickly tell this story? Of course. You and Dawson quickly. Leary. Do you get that reference? No. Okay. That's from Dawson's Creek. And he wants to be Did Steven Spielberg. Did not watch Spielberg. Dawson's Creek. Okay. That doesn't anyway. shock me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's, I'm just I'm keeping you up to date. Here is why Spielberg. Because I loved Close Encounters. And I think I saw it as a young kid, like, you know, on whatever. On uh, We stole cable at my house, and I, I think I'd, we, I watched it that way. But It's okay. Statute of limitations. It's fine. Right. Exactly. But the movie—so so I had never been to a movie theater. And my parents were immigrants. They didn't understand. They just thought it was too expensive. And But I begged them, and they were like, fine. I was five, I think, when E.T. came out. And they, and I all my, class, all my classmates were obsessing about this movie, and it was like— aliens and oh my god and it's Spielberg and I'm like okay I'm going and I convinced my parents that I was five they bought me a ticket and then let me into the Aww. theater and then left because they, again it's too, too expensive for them to sit in with me and I remember watching it and being bored out of my mind <laughs> <laughs> and the first not where and I thought the, that was going and That's the awful. first thought I had was I could do better than that and that that is that is I was a little shit. I was a little five year old shit. And that that I and and you know to me it's like I love Jurassic Park and I love Schindler's List and Raiders and all that. Um, but weirdly, ET was like the thing that. And and later, I I think I, I appreciate it more because you know I think what obviously that movie you know now now in hindsight looking back it, it was really about a drama and about these kids about these kids who are living through a divorce and um and but I just remember feeling to Spielberg to me and I, I don't know what it is there's this like weird disconnect that I have with him because he doesn't um he doesn't give me the viscera that I think he is known for I mean that is what he's kind of like the you the director of saving of. private Ryan I just don't get as absorbed. I don't know what it is. I don't get. I don't go on the ride like everybody else does. Well, I think he's such a. By the way, he's athletic. Yeah, I, I mean, noticed I think, his camera moves a lot. Of, you know, and a lot. No, I think that's I remember true. And like, the, and, and they that. are so essential to the to the tone and the storytelling, and and they are visible. I. It's just the invention of like the modern blockbuster in the good sense of the word. And it's, it is a little schlocky and sentimental it's, at it's, times. I just and, don't buy it. Yeah. And, and I, I, I get do swept respond to that. And I think also you're talking to the uh, two children of divorce. So maybe, maybe that's it as well. Big theme in his films. I think it's athletic. It's to me, there's a difference between technical and athletic. And I think he's like very technically gifted, but there are just like the, the big tent story elements and the kind of big and ten action sequences that that are also legible to me. I agree. I, look, look. Yeah, yeah. Go, you go. Well, you I was go. just going to say that Sean and I like sometimes do like movie swaps, or we've done one and we're going to do another. Where I make him watch what is a, this. I it's the oh, last you make him. Did, yeah, I made him watch Sense and Sensibility, the Ang Lee. I love that movie. Thank you. Me too. It's one of my favorites, and Sean had never seen it, and he made I me love watch it now too. Spider Verse. 
Spider-Man and Spider-Verse. And that was interesting on a lot of levels, but the next one we're going to do, I suggested an action, Sean pick an action movie for me because I realized I don't really know how to watch action sequences. Like at some point, it's just things are happening and people are fighting and I'm I'm not invested. And, but there, but there is something about Spielberg that I know what I'm watching. No, 100%. Spielberg is a great action filmmaker. And by the way, James Cameron, great action filmmaker. But you are right to 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 feel that most action films are incoherent because mm-hmm. they are. I mean, literally you there are YouTube videos where the editing is sloppy and the cause of something happens after the effect of it and it's just it's meant to disorient you because they don't have the right coverage and because they didn't think through right. how to shoot certain sequences whereas Spielberg I mean, again, I love Raiders. Every action sequence, I know where I'm at. I know the orientation. I know where Indy is. I know where the Nazis are. And I'm constantly, like, I'm enthralled by all that. I just emotionally, and I guess the schmaltz works with you, but emotionally, it it just never, I never bought it. I never bought into it. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm pretty basic when it comes to that. I'm you glad you, you are, um, she is not basic. You're Sean, not do, basic. Not, do not <laughs> agree. Immensely complex, I can, I can assure you. Very complicated. By a, by a movie. And I do also, there is something about the collective power of a movie where you go sit and you watch Raiders or you watch um, E.T. and everyone is responding to it that I find powerful. I'm not immune to like waves of emotion, or at least I wasn't, you know, in my teens and 20s. Now I'm probably a cynic, but whatever. I'm glad you mentioned James Cameron because candidly, the film, the two films I'm trying to choose between for this swap that we're talking about are Aliens and Terminator 2. Those are the movies Wait, that... you've never seen Aliens or Terminator 2? I was just Googling. I've seen Alien. Not no, Aliens. That's but Ridley. not Aliens. Alien is fucking dope. But a- Aliens, uh, Aliens is, is fucking amazing. Okay. Great. And different. And okay. actually does, I think, we'll do what we're, we're talking about. Anyhow. Wait, is Cameron 80s? He's 80s, so we will get there. Uh, is that Piranha? Piranha 2. Piranha 2, right. Uh, I'm picking John Carpenter. Now, I... I, I yes. I, yes, yes, 100% yes. Spielberg makes a lot of sense for the sake of podcasting. Mm-hmm. I think a Spielberg is a difficult one to avoid. I also think there's a... Rock solid David Lynch case. I, I don't understand how it's not David Lynch. But I John mean, Carpenter's movies, I honestly just have responded to more in my I life. I agree. I agree. That, that's emotional gut. But David Lynch has how many masterpieces? I mean, are we debating that? No. Amanda? I'm not taking David Lynch away from you. But are we debating to, that he... Oh, you don't think... I, I don't respond to... Like, like I Blue said, Velvet, I'm like wait, I, Let me basic. ask you a question. Yeah. Blue Velvet, is it a masterpiece? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, of course. I'm not taking that Mall away from Mulholland Drive? Of course. Twin Peaks? I don't want to go on a Twin Peaks journey with you. I wow. really, really don't. I've listened <laughs> to the other stuff. Elephant Man? Uh, I don't know if I've seen Elephant Man, actually. Dune? That was I a, also that don't want to go partly. on a Dune journey with you or anybody else. And You'll unfortunately, I'm going to be going on a Dune journey later this year. Because <laughs> Denis Villeneuve was bringing it back to us. I support you, Sam, and your passions. Were you? How do you feel about um, Lost Highway? I don't know if I've seen that either. I also, this is one thing where, like I said, you, you're doing a self-education and you kind of watch the obligatory Lynch things and you're like, okay, I got it. And then you move on to the things that... So that was like more of a chore, the David Lynch. Yeah, which, again, which is Lynch. unfair. I mean, it, it is interesting, fair. the experience of like seeking something out and watching it on your own, like usually on a weird Netflix DVD or, you know, or something that you borrowed. And what are you getting out of that and by yourself? Like the 
He's your classical, like it's just better to see it in a theater. Yeah. Of like course. if there's a if there's a, a run of Blue Velvet hitting the new Beverly, like you should just go. But I saw Blue Velvet on video because I heard about it until it was the high only school. way to see it when yeah. we yeah, were yeah. Up. and four by three standard definition yep. really shitty but fuck I was again I, I guess you know the thing that I you know we, we haven't talked about like why certain filmmakers resonate or why they don't but to me the one the thing that Pakula did and even Woody and and I'll say Scorsese uh, uh, and 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 de- definitely David Lynch is that it was so different and so like I've never seen that but I never even thought about doing like why yes. are people talking in the way that they are talking and why is there so much so much air between all the dialogue and what is this feeling I'm getting? It's just, it was like a new, it, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It introduced a new emotion to me because I had not felt that way watching a movie. And I think David Lynch in particular, in particular is a situation where I caught so many people ripping it off before I had a taste of the mm-hmm. real thing. Got it. In such like so a, and that's, and that's timing. nobody's fault, but it's just that people have been doing bad David Lynch since, what are we in the 70s? Yeah. Well, I think the other thing too is that Unlike virtually every filmmaker we've talked about here, there is no the the explanation for his work is never satisfying, and it keeps you on an endless quest to understand, to rewatch, to figure out what he was putting his finger on. The that air like thing that you're describing, that dream like quality in those movies, gives us this open canvas that, like you know, even the best Alan Pakula movie, I don't think really even provides. Right. So. It lets him endure in a way, even though, you know, he has not made a lot of films. Like, I if you know. look at his filmography, he's made, what, nine movies, 12 movies? But that, that to me is, like, yes, you're right. But that to me is like weirdly his power. Do you, do you know back in the day, or even now, when you watch a movie and they do the dream sequence thing, and the dream sequence is usually some weird filter, and it's like garbled audio, and it, the one thing I always feel after those dream sequences that feels nothing like a dream to me. Like yes. I do. Yes. That's I don't know why that's like turned into the formula for a dream sequence, and we all know what it is. David Lynch films feel closer to whatever that weird thing is that I ha- at least I personally feel in dream. And he's not even doing a dream. That's his movie. Like that's the movie is yeah. the dream sequence but- and. And that just is transportive. That's I mean that's interesting, and that's just me. like a philosophical. I don't want to be in dreams. I like I, I, which Sean gets like really upset about is that I'm like a I'm I'm a I'm a realist and I you get, want drama. I get, you I get, want well, I just get you want grounded. I, I don't really like philosophy. I don't yeah. So I just don't respect. At some point, I'm just like okay, 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 okay. Like, but wait a minute. I don't I, have a lot of patience. Can and I that's, ask? That's a fault, possibly. But can I ask with Woody? Not to retread this, but yeah. like, don't you find his films are just classically great dramas? Like, just the the. The yes, scenes just I, between people yes, who want something from one another yes, are so of written. Of course. Cr- yeah. But not, but didn't resonate in the same way that. Again, I think it's a little bit of the things that he did. I had seen trickle down to right, other right, things right, right, ahead right. of the time. Timing, the timing, and it is the also, timing. You I ha- respond have to you- different elements in a drama as well. And there's like a, there is appreciating and being like, wow, this is amazing. And then there is also, oh my God, you've like tapped into like my personal vein and Woody Allen movies like don't 100% do do that that. got it most movies don't but Uh, there have been times on this podcast when I felt like you guys have been on a bad date so this has been interesting (laughs) Um, so you are you actually picking Lynch yeah 
Okay, so you're going Lynch. I think. And yeah. you're going Spielberg, going Spielberg. And I'm going John Carpenter. I haven't really explained myself, but. Sean, what is your, I know you did this, so so I don't think you have to think about it too much, but what is your number one film of the century so far? Uh, there Will Be Blood. Ah. Um, I think the social network is very close behind. Mulholland Drive isn't even in the conversation. It would be in the conversation. Okay. I love it. That was actually, I believe, a date movie for my now wife and I. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow, wow, wow. You can imagine wow, that conversation yeah. after dinner. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we both loved it, which was great, which was a good sign. That was evidence of something. My wife, I think, in many ways is very dreamlike. She likes the she ethereal. Is. Yeah, she does. So, she um, also likes Woody Allen. She does. A she lot. loves Woody Allen. Woody Allen was very important. For the, fi- her. the films of Woody Allen. Yes. She does not know him personally in any yes. way. Should we go to the 80s? Let's yes. Uh, this, this is I, just a bloodbath. It is? Um, I think this is a drought, but you tell me. I have one answer that I feel very confident I have about. one. I think there's one obvious. Okay. Yeah, okay, but let's hear it. You you go. Spike Lee. Yeah. James Cameron. Yep. The Coen brothers. Yes. Tony Scott. Steven Soderbergh. Wong Kar Wai. Yes. Cameron Crowe. Sam Raimi. Catherine Bigelow. Lars von Trier. Tim Burton. Gus Van Zandt. Jim Jarmusch, Harold Ramis, not to be underrated, Robert Redford, John Sayles, Michael Mann, Jim Henson, John McTiernan, Peter Jackson, and Lawrence Kasdan. Okay, what about Claire Denis? Claire Denis. Lars von Trier. I think I said him. I said him after Big Love. Okay, yes. got it. Claire Denis is good, though. That is mm-hmm. a good addition. I mean, uh, so I, why I is think this so easy? Coen Brothers. I mean, I don't, I don't, what's, what's close? Okay. You, did you assume I would pick that? Yeah, of course I what, did. What is your pick? How Sam. No. A, a thing, no. Wait, wait, this is an easy one. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, he knows. I, I know exactly what yeah, she's doing. Yeah, of course he knows. Yeah, I went with Steven Soderbergh. Oh, I love Soderbergh. Yeah. Every, like every day. We I love wake Soderbergh. Up, you wake up, I wake up, Sean wakes up, and we take Steven Soderbergh for granted. And it stops <laughs> now. I do not take Steven Soderbergh for granted. Everyone takes Steven Soderbergh for granted, except for me, maybe. I think he's fantastic. I think he's fantastic. I've seen every single one of his yeah. films. I'm excited every time he comes out with a movie. And he, by the way, like Woody, his output is fucking insane. And his experimentation is insane. He's incredibly inventive. Um, But Coen Brothers. I know that that's important to you. And I know that's important to Sean. Do you, and do you like the Coen Brothers? I do like the Coen Brothers. I like some Coen Brothers more than others. Same deal. Wait, too. wait, what, what is your pick? Well, I, it's not Coen Brothers. I, I knew you would sit down in that chair and say Coen Brothers. <laughs> so I did not choose the Coen Brothers. Though, you know, honestly, if this were Amanda and I having a private conversation, Brothers. I would yeah. pick the Coen Brothers. The Coen well, Brothers well, changed my remember, life. Remember the way when that you I had think a, about things. Remember yeah. when you had like a full-on meltdown on the Roger Deakins podcast because Chris and I would only let you put five Deacons Coen Brothers collaborations on the Hall of Fame list. Look, and you just, you honestly started crying over I, I Fargo. I did not start you crying. You did. I this was on Sean's absolute, side. This is lies. Just, just this, and I have backup here to join me on a this. tantrum. It's on video. Chris was, Chris Ryan was totally out of line. Out of line. Thank out you. Out of line. All time performance. Chris, Chris banned from this podcast, Ryan. Shout out Rango, the frog <laughs> sheriff. So, this is, we're not going back to that place. <laughs> we're going to the future. And so my, my, I, I chose Spike Lee. And wow. I think that's a good pick. I love Spike Lee. I do too. And Especially I th- like, I mean, what? so School Days was his first? Uh, she's got to have it. She's got to have first, it. And then School Days. And, and then, then Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing. Um, which is, you know, as beginnings go, is pretty great. The other thing too is he remains genuinely vital filmmaker. I don't think Black Klansman was even in his top 10, but I think it's amazing that he can still command attention. I'm very excited about his new movie, To Five Bloods. That's Me too. That's very good. Yeah. Um, 
And he is a person who changed movies. He changed movies forever. Now, I think the Coen brothers made north of 10 perfect movies. Yes. But I don't know if they changed movies. And so this is my own made-up rule. I don't know. You don't think there's a lot of Coen brothers ripoffs? I don't. There may Their be, but I don't think that changed have, movies. No, that, now, okay. I think Spike demanded that people rethink film history and film future. And on top of just making genuinely entertaining and fascinating films. like, And that goes for not just the obvious classics, but that goes for like the clockers of the world. Those yeah. were movies that I saw when I was growing up. I was or like, even Bamboozled. And he's, Bamboozled a, he's, got, he's got a little bit of the Soderbergh thing in him because he shot that on like mini DV or mm-hmm. something in the, in the late 90s. And that was unheard of at the time. And that was, by the way, great movie. I don't know. If, very entertaining. Very yeah. funny. Coming yeah. to Criterion later this year. Uh, I So, you know, I think Soderberg, I'm not mad at any of these picks. Soderbergh and the Coen brothers are great picks. And I don't think we could really, we don't, there's no reason no, to there's fight no, over no, them. There's no debate. But can we talk about this decade? Yes. You don't think there's a drought here? I mean, how do you say there's a drought when James Cameron and Juan Kar Wai came along? I mean, these say, talk about changing Yeah, yeah but you're talking about, yes. But you're talking about like a few directors. I just feel like we rattled off fucking masters in the 70s and 60s. Isn't this like a generational bias that we're talking about, though? Because the people who who were there... No, because we're about to get to the 90s, okay. which is okay. even more generational. I mean, at least mm-hmm. to me. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, we're all close. We're all close. Okay. Um, and that, is younger. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, I just I just think there's a drought. I, I, I mean, look, I don't think it's in hindsight, even at the time, but even definitely in hindsight, weak, weak decade for... For movies, I think it's going to inform what happens coming up. Coming up in the night. Did you? Do you guys have a second place that you wanted to note? I mean, I love James Cameron. I think he changed action filmmaking. I think action filmmaking was probably, yeah. I, I still think it is. It's looked down upon. It's not considered like actual great. I don't know, great, uh, great filmmaking or even great films. Now he had to make Titanic an action movie mm-hmm. to finally get recognized by, I guess the academy or the critics or whatever it's like making a great i mean I, but i do think titanic is 13 when titanic came out please speak respectfully i love titanic <laughs> i okay. love titanic it's okay oh no 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 i think the titanic is not good see <laughs> no. to me well here's here's the thing titanic is one of the best action films ever made i do not know if i would say it's one of the best love stories ever made and i know that primarily that was one fair. of the reasons why people love that movie but the action in Titanic is fucking great. And and I do think it's that it's very he, involving. You get caught he, up in the characters he, he, and yeah. he invest he made us invest really well in, in those two people before the action starts to kick in, which was really smart and was what made the action even that much. Yeah, I better. think that's yeah. important. And that's Titanic was the first James Cameron movie I had ever seen because I was like, oh, it's Leonardo DiCaprio in the romantic lead. Sure, I'll go. And then it turned out to be a three hour extravaganza with a a ship breaking into. Now, did you zone out though for the back half? I don't remember. There was like a very performative element to being a teenager, a teenage girl and going to see Titanic in the theaters and like everyone did it like multiple times. I want you to know I only did it once. I was more into Good Will Hunting, which came out the same year. I was I was like trying to be a cool kid even then, but which was actually a divide. Sean's laughing at me. But no, I think that Everyone was just like so wrapped up in the emotion. It does help that you know what's going to happen, right? You know, right. It's well, you right don't, there. but you don't know what's going to happen between the two of them. I, I, like I had seen enough romances to know what was going to oh, happen. I see. <laughs> That's like the old, you know, I understand that structure, right? So I, for some strange reason, while I was sick last week, rewatched The Terminator, which is not a movie that was big for me. T two is big for me, but the original Terminator is not. 
And I think it's good and not perfect, but the thing that stands out that I think is true in Titanic and in Aliens and in Terminator 2 and in, even in True Lies and the, the lesser loved movies is he has a better handle on movie iconography than pretty much anybody. He knows how to make a scene or a shot yes. that is, you're like, oh, I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. And that's also a part, I think, of choosing the people who do this stuff. Like Stanley Don and, and Gene Kelly are the same thing. They actually make moments in movies where you're like, that's, that yeah. is with us forever. Uh-huh. And his, that's a powerful thing. His choreography, his staging of action. I mean, it's, again, Spielberg and him are probably go down in history as best action filmmakers. We haven't said anything about Michael Mann. This is usually a very pro-Michael Mann I, company. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I love Heat. Not as much as uh, our, our pal Chris. Oh, does he really love Heat? That that's makes a, sense. That actually makes sense. Um, I love Heat. That is what I'll say. Man, it's got nothing. Michael Shall Mann. we go to the 90s? <laughs> oh, do you know? You don't even love Heat. I think I've seen all of Heat. I don't know if I ever have ever told Chris this, but Chris still hasn't seen Little Women. So uh, <laughs> I here's what I'll say, just to stay on brand. Um, Cam Collins, Chaos and Collins, who... Uh, worked here at The Ringer for a long time and is now a writer of Vanity Fair, he once made a joke that uh, he just tells his female friends to put heat on their online dating bios, even if they haven't seen it. And I think that sums up my thoughts about heat. Thank you very much. Yes. Heat bait is what that is. (laughs) 1990s. You're so excited to talk about this decade. Well, let's rattle off the names. It's pretty intense. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. pretty intense. Here we go. By the way, Let's do the names first. I'm sure I've forgotten some too, so please feel free to fill in the gaps that I've missed. But I think this is the best decade of emerging new filmmakers. And and after you rattle off the names, I want to hear another decade that's better. Okay. Because okay. It, it doesn't exist. Well, that's, I mean, it's not going to exist for me. These are like five of yeah, my seven I do favorite think filmmakers there is are in this both, No, it not is not recency bias. It's not, but it's personal because bias. The it's our relationship to it. But you were a teenager and when, when these people were And when you're discovering movies, movies and how you relate to but film when and I was like a what teenager, you want to see. What I did, and this is what I did with music too. I was like, fuck all the shit that's out in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to be a, a snob. Sean's probably like this too. And like, I'm going to watch Fellini and Godard because none of these clowns know how to make movies. And then this happens. Go ahead. Let's just, let's just hear the names. Quentin Tarantino. Richard Linklater, Paul Thomas Anderson, David Fincher, Spike Jones, Sofia Coppola, Wes Anderson, Christopher Nolan, Whit Stillman, Anthony Minghella, Ang Lee, Baz Luhrmann, M. Night Shyamalan, Frank Darabont, James Gray, Kelly Reichert, David O. Russell, we're still going, Noah Baumbach, Mike Judge, The Wachowskis, Kevin Smith, Jay Ashanke, Gaspar Noe, Fernando Morelis, Denis Villeneuve, Brad Bird, Sam Mendes. Who have I forgotten? I mean, you forgot mine, and I also have a point of order that's also a spoiler. About one of the people on this list. Uh, Can I just add to to Kishay Mike? Did you say? Didn't say Mike, no. Darren Aronofsky. Oh, that's a good one. I forgot too. Spike Jones. I I think he did, yeah. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Oh, yes. Danny Boyle. Also forgot him. Is Danny Boyle in the 90s? Yeah. Shallow Grave. Wait, what did you? What, I, I missed that. What he were you added one, but then there's a point of order, which is a bit of a spoiler, which is one of the people that Sean named. Technically, depending on how we count it, but I'll be counting that person for the 2000s. So, I see. Okay. Uh, so and did you say Fincher? Did yeah, you say he Fincher? Yeah, he's okay. Sean says Fincher every day when he wakes up. In his every step, he is saying David Fincher. Robert Rodriguez, you said? No. No. Though, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure yeah. if he stands with some of these sure. folks. Though, I, I like his movies a lot. And then you didn't say what Stillman. I mean, not that. I did say what Stillman. Oh, you did? Yes. Okay. Yes. 
um, with Stillman, who is also very influential and is relatedly the, the Woody yeah. Allen thing. If you yes. see with Stillman movies before Woody Allen movies, you're like, oh, I didn't realize that right. he was right. kind of right, right. Like, a, a, inhaling something and then exhaling his version of it. And no, did you put Mangold on there? No, I same thing. Like I thought he was he was like right on the outside, but okay. I, you know, no, no, that's fine. His career no, is fine. very up and down, but he's made some great. I, I'm movies. actually bringing his name up because again, just in concert with everyone else. Yeah, it's if he's fucking the, insane. Yeah, if and he's on the why? C team, that's pretty crazy. I mean, guys, is there a better decade? Not to me. I th- it's it's hard to. And I want to talk I don't about know why, why I'm doing this argument, but there is just something I do think that we are we are close to it, and what our definition of a good film is is like so dependent on when you see something and how you see something. I think that's like one of the major points that I am trying to make when I tease you guys is that. I do. We have to like examine what our definition of great is, as much as we, and and how we're coming to that decision. Well, here's what I like about this time in movies, and here's why this was meaningful for me, and probably why I find myself in this conversation with you guys right now. If you look at Quentin, Paul Thomas Anderson, Fincher, just as an example, that trio, those guys gave me film history. Quentin's urgency around Leone and exploitation movies and horror and the things that he liked and the way that he talked about them all the time taught me a lot about how to think about movies. PTA, talking about Demi all the time in the late 90s made me understand what humanist filmmaking was, especially in America. Fincher, if you don't see Hitchcock, you don't see Fincher. And that makes you go back and watch all of those films. And That's why I think that the generational thing is kind of meaningful and what Amanda is saying is somewhat true. It's not just that those guys are so good and they are so good. It's that they are so sophisticated at consuming film history and then making it even better in a way. But that might just be, that might just be because there has, there had been a lot of film history. That is true. And that is also a very specific type of film history or those are three very specific guys and they're all geniuses and I'm not trying to take away from that but the counter argument to my own argument is that there is PTA Tarantino and Fincher who are very different but also like are represent a certain type of film goers taste and then you do also have blockbuster filmmakers you have female filmmakers you have action filmmakers there is a um finally some sort of like diversity both of the type of filmmaker and the type of movie in the 90s I think my theory, and by the way, this goes back because the 60s, we were like, wow. And I think this had a lot to do, uh, uh, this was the callback I wanted to make, which was, it goes a little bit to your film history, the way international cinemas sort of infected the taste of all all those young filmmakers back then that sort of blossomed this um, this great decade of, of filmmakers. It In the same way, the 90s, there was this weird sort of I, like you said, film history, but this synthesis of like the past eight decades. Now we're going to take all that. I mean, Tarantino always talks about how he uses it, uses film history like a DJ, and he's like mixing and matching genres and exploit exploitation films and genre films and and trying to create uh, a, a mix of the, uh, trying to create something original out of a mix of that. The other thing that I think is really important. Filmmaking got cheaper, mm. and mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I, and that's the birth of independent cinema. Yes. I don't even understand how 
it didn't happen before, but what for whatever reason, I don't know if the film stock went down or camera rentals were cheaper because there were more cameras out there. I don't know. I'd love for someone to write a book or, or Sean, for you to research that and talk about it in the next podcast. But somehow people were able to make feature film. And it really kind of started with Soderbergh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, yeah. 1989. There we go. Part, I mean, which, by the way, won the Palm d'Or and and like went on to, like that was unheard of. It's So, the, I mean, the key distinction here, I think, I'm not an expert in this, but I do know a lot about it, is distribution. It's not that filmmaking, it's not that there was necessarily even more independent film. There's been independent film since the 30s. There have, there were a lot of independent films in the 70s. A lot of those movies hit grindhouses and you could see them, but you could only see them on 42nd Street. The difference is that companies like Miramax started and they said this movie goes into 2,500 theaters and it deserves a wide audience. And it's Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which is a perverse film, amazing film, but very unlike a lot of movies that were coming out in the 1980s, got a bigger audience. And then that meant his other films got even bigger audiences. So to me, it's actually like a platforming thing where these kinds of filmmakers who made these kinds of movies, not since 1975 did they get to reach this many people. You're saying this is when they figured out, when, or at least somebody figured out, hey, why aren't we monetizing cheap films? We can make a lot more money and there's these talented young people out yes. there. And then five years to- later, all the corporations get excited about that and they start buying up these companies and then they start slowly diluting the brand and then you get the next decade, which is a little bit tougher which and we'll you don't have about. as many great yeah. films because you don't have this like rebel spirit that is pervasive in the late 60s and the 70s and is pervasive in the 90s because it's it's all economics. And I do think this doesn't happen without Spielberg this decade. I do think, and, and I don't mean Spielberg specifically, the 80s in general, the rebel thing you're talking about, this was a rebellion to Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. 100%. This was a, re- re- uh, a, a rebellion to Star Wars and Jaws. And all the indie movies and franchise filmmaking in general. And even things like Lethal Weapon and Die Hard yeah, and, yeah. and like Weekend at Bernie's and Frat Comedy. Yes. And that, that stuff that was so dominant at that time. There were good versions of it. You talked about Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner was just an active, great, mainstream filmmaker in the 1980s. And that stuff was good. But a lot of stuff was that sort of like, um, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer version of Hollywood that people felt was like distasteful. Well, it pulled those movies. I mean, I think they, I think at least to these young filmmakers that are coming up in the 90s, those films pulled punches. And I I remember feeling that. It pulled, like, it was, it was like, close to, like, okay, we're going to go there, and then they don't. And then they pick the safe route, or they pick mm-hmm. the less alienating route, or whatever. And then the, and the it gave... The mainstream route, yeah. The mainstream route. And then it gave free reign to these, uh, to these filmmakers to say, you know what, uh, we're going to go there, and we're not going to just go there, we're going to jump all over it. There was that director who, who I, you know, because uh, we didn't name like Hal Hartley or yeah. or uh, what is he Doom Generation? Help me out here, uh, Gregor Racky. Yes, yeah. I love Gregor. Yeah. yeah, but but the most fucked up movies yeah. was it Ferrara. I guess Ferrara. Abel Ferrara. Yeah, you can put him on the list. Yeah, but same he was, thing. He was these, probably seventies. He came out of the seventies and yeah. the exploitation stuff that yeah, we're yeah. talking about. Amanda, what do you? A lot of your favorite filmmakers are on that list. Yes, from the nineties. Mm-hmm. What do you think is sort of most meaningful about this time? Because Sam sees it as artistic expression. Me with my bad brain, I'm like, it's all about the business. Like, what is it for you? I think it's both of those combined. I, I it is, It's what I said already, which is just like you get different types of movies. And I think that even in the list that you read, there are, it's just a wider range of type of theater going experiences. And whether you value an action movie or whether you value, you know, Sam, I'm 
Yeah, no, please read, like, I was, read me. I was like, I'm about to just give you like <laughs> no, a... please, yeah. That's, I don't know you that well. No, but, um, go for it. Uh, either filmmaking Athletic. and visual expression. No, if I think but you have an emphasis on like, you just really want to see some some wild, crazy visual shit. Okay. Do you do you disagree with that? No, I actually do not like like and we could we could probably reference some movies. Like I don't necessarily like overly stylized like you know that movie Mandy that came out? Yes. Like I did you see that movie? No. You would probably would Amanda would it be fair to say Amanda would not like that movie? You would hate it. Yeah, that's what I, I I'm with you on that. I'm with I'm with no, you on that. It's a Nicolas Cage movie directed by oh, Panos right, Cosmatos. That movie, I remember that. Yeah. No, it was the son of the guy who directed Tombstone, by the way. I don't mean that in a dismissive way at all, but I think that you really understand film as the visual medium that it I is. I mean, Woody Allen, who, uh, you know, is not it's a... It's not a bad thing. Oh, Art no, no, no. I'm, I'm just, Let's I'm, make no, beautiful I'm things. Not, I'm not... Def- like, I'm not I support I'm not def- you. I'm not a defensive Keep person. Keep shining. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just saying, like... Anyway, there's that option for you. Okay, go ahead. And there are dramas and there are... Sort of comedy. There are comedies, of course. There are in the nineties. Absolutely. Are yeah. you kidding? And yeah. that's true. We didn't and drop Tom Chadiak on this list. No. Was, was he nineties? Uh, and I th- yeah, I think. Or oh, the Fairley Brothers pre oh, see, right? pre Green Book. Yeah, that's true. That actually yes. is a good. I mean, they. I mean, did. They, I mean, who, who released more purely entertaining movies in the Fairleys in the nineties? I mean, right. they had a perfect track record. In Groundhog the 90s. Day was a flop, but one of the best movies ever made. I had Ramus in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, and it does also just feel like the nineties were when. The movies were—we had so much mass pop culture, but the movies were still at the center of mass pop culture, which I don't really think that you could say, certainly of today. It kind sadly. of ends with The Matrix. The Matrix is sort of—and we talked uh, endlessly about 99 is, yeah. and how big 99 was and what a meaningful yes. year that was for movies and how it also signaled that kind of like this new century movies may not be at the center of culture as we go forward. And, you know, you're here— making television shows mm-hmm. right, it's right. the same thing and it's like you know everything about this stuff you know all of these right. filmmakers you've seen all of their films but you've been working on TV that's right and we'll get and we'll, we're gonna get to that we're gonna get to w- what happened why that all changed mm-hmm. but I just admire the fuck out of this decade and I agree with you like there is a tendon, there is a temptation to be to have recency bias or not recency bias that's not that's not the right way to say it, but to have an emotional association with it because we were whatever yeah. in college or in our 20s or we were teenagers when that when those movies came out. But I, I really do think just look, I mean, the reason this decade was the reason why I came up with this game. Cause when I saw the oh God, amount you're of gonna be so mad at me. Wait, okay, let's, let's do let's <laughs> let's just so let's do I still this. haven't made my pick. Me. I still haven't even all, made my pick. First of all, the fact that you pick names that I would have never thought of or agreed with I and know, I'm very angry with you about is why I yeah, love this. I know. This is great. Sam, what's your pick? It's Quentin, but that's lazy. And but he's an amazing. He's it's Quentin. I think it's the objective right answer. I didn't do it because I I made responsible choices earlier, and now I'm having fun. But I I think I hate that answer. But it's not very creative. But it also just feels like if you go any other direction, you made a mistake. Not that I hate him, obviously. By the way, obviously, master, you know. But holy shit! I think it's also PTA. How do I not pick PTA? Well, you're gonna pick PTA. Only because you picked Quentin. If you had picked PTA, <laughs> oh, I would have picked Quentin. Uh, you can't do that. What, what was written down? Well, Quentin has made my most favorite movies. You know, I. It's not a secret to anybody but listening so to this show. PTA. Uh, no. You know, we're talking about the narrowest of margins. The narrowest of margins. I do think also Tarantino I mean, is the right answer for like this podcast and the three of us to an extent, which is about that that 
like nerdy, deep, detailed homage and like voracious appetite for all the movies. And it's it it is a good summary. Which so, is a perfect entree into yeah. your pick. So uh, I'm instead, so excited. I picked Nancy Myers. Speaking was she even on a, the list? Do you want a vision? Do you want a specific <laughs> cinematic idea well, wait, that has had influence across genres hold on. and industries? Hold on. I, yes, Sam, way, I do. I am not mad. I am not <laughs> mad that you picked Nancy Myers. But how do you? I mean, it, wh- Woody Allen. I, <laughs> I mean, there's a direct I said fucking to you, line. I said to you that I like. I understand that Woody Allen has influenced and shaped like a lot of the things that I most respond to. But it is a real. You come late to it. I just also she makes movies about women. I don't want to make this a whole gender essentialist thing. And I like great art can transcend that. But. I, like, also, I'm superficial as fuck. And, like, show me the kitchen. kitchen. Show me you those beautiful... You love the kitchen like, porn. That, to me, is, like, whatever, like, a David Lynch thing is to you. I'm just like, let's keep going. So, more, let me... Can more. I ask you a question? So, when Nancy comes out with the movie, are you there on opening night? Yes. I mean, I'm, th- I'm there. I'm emailing people for the screenings, like, four months in advance. I'm like, what do I have to do? But, by the way... I was there on opening night for her daughter's movie. That's how I'm committed. What was her how committed daughter's movie? It's called Home Again. It starred Reese Witherspoon, another person who is important is this a movie to me. I should Terrible see. film. Um, Terrible. I, you know what? That is a beautiful home. I, I <laughs> Someone told me that it is a Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner's former home, so it really encapsulates you know, all If you want to do a production design category... <laughs> That is that's right. But that Nancy Myers has made a lot of good movies. I think she's actually really good. Yeah, I, yeah, I she's mean, I, I do too. But it's Woody Allen. It's I, very heavily influenced by Woody. I Allen. I think that she is very way, heavily influenced by Woody Allen. But that's okay. That's okay. If you don't like me doing things that are influenced by other people in no, these no, later no. categories, and you're on a real ride no, for the next no, two no. decades, think, just think, so you know. Look, I, I'm named Quentin Tarantino, who couldn't be more influenced by other filmmakers. Yes. I just, it was a weird thing. Just, it was a weird pick this given. This is the, an expression of, it's not a weird I love pick. it. It's not a weird, no, no, no. I'm saying it's a weird pick it's given, given your disdain. Of all time. No one picked Linklater. I, I actively Linklater. didn't pick Linklater. Oh, you don't like Linklater? It's not for me. Wow. I know, he's a tremendous filmmaker and I get uncomfortable. The before wow. sunset thing. and the, I'm not aware of this. I, it's, what? He just talks so much. Oh my God. You are a but, podcast but, host. I, I'm aware. That's, wait a minute, wait I'm not saying wait make a feature film about me. <laughs> I, I I think he's he's pretty close to the top of the list of not in that power trio of Tarantino, PTA, and Fincher for me. Oh, I mean what I mean, what we're we're not saying a lot of people here, guys. Yeah. I mean I mean Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson? We're not sure. in love. I mean I'm I'm girding myself to prepare sure. for four months of I Wes Anderson conversation. I didn't pick Nora Ephron, oh, which is Nora Ephron. I, yeah. which is also Why not super... pick Nora Ephron? You but you that's fine. You like Nancy more than Nora. I uh, is that true? No, we were we were I was trying to think in terms of like a, a body of work and a person who represents like a specific visual and cinematic ideal like I think Nancy is the really big name Nora is it's Nora is such a writer and even those movies they're they're written as much as they're filmed and I think right. their tremendous performances also like you've got mail over sleepless in Seattle any day of the week I still feel really bad that I abandoned that on the Tom Hanks Hall of Fame but I do Nancy is a better filmmaker yeah, yeah. it's and yeah. it's a more I, complete I, I experience I would agree with that, that that's a even though that's a good Nora Ephron has like shaped my brain yeah, I okay, like that thank argument. You. I appreciate that support. This is unpopular because Amanda doesn't care about these movies. I have no idea if you care at all, but I think that there's a strong case for Brad Bird, who also— um, What did he do in the 90s? I didn't even— Iron Giant starts working, oh, oh, starts right. working at uh, oh, anima- Pixar. Oh, we're going to go down animation. Well, we, we're, we don't have go. to. 
Amanda is not speaking very admirably. I'm, by the way, uh, Amanda's camp on this one. Yeah. Sorry. Shame on you once more. (laughs) I watch, no, look, let me just say, I love, I love me some Toy Story. I've watched all three of them. I think, or four of them. There are four now. There are four. Yes. I saw all four. I really love the first three. And I really like four. Um, I love Up. And we were Wally just talking about and that. We were, because you were talking about the score. Yes. But I, I, it's the same thing with Inside TV. Out is, is very beautiful. Inside Out, Christian Slater and I, the true story, we were, he, we were uh, flying. This was after the first season. We were flying to some festival. And he was like sitting down the aisle like where he could see over my shoulder. And I started watching Inside Out. And, you know, I got to the sad part. Oh, yeah. And I was like, Ugh. and I, I look over and he's, Christian's crying. He's just cry- looking over, watching the movie. Or, but he had seen it before, but he remembered the moment. And oh, that's very nice. Very See how nice. powerful animation is. Yeah, because. I but, think but it can be. But I have a barrier with animation. It's the same thing with TV. I just, I like it, and I'm in. But I but, also have a barrier. And on that Spider Verse podcast, I really tried to explain that it's just at at some point I don't know how to watch it in the same way. Same with action movies. It, there really is. You respond to to visual images as much as you respond to writing or yeah. performances or lighting or whatever. And it's just not the visual thing that I respond to as much. Which you can accept when I'm saying that that about animation, but not about any of your favorite I, things. Sam. I am accepting. <laughs> I am nothing but accepting. Let's go to the 2000s. But okay. wait, are we going to like Denis Villeneuve, who made a feature in the 90s, then kind of disappeared for a while, and now is like on the most incredible run. Oh, you don't like Denis Villeneuve? No, I do like Denis Villeneuve. The problem is, is he did exactly what you just said, which is he has his gap. He's just the 2000s filmmaker. Actually, the movies that he Mm -hmm. makes, he might be the most 2000s filmmaker that we have. And so it's just weird to kind of lump him into that conversation about 90s people because his film, I've never seen that film that he made in 1999. I, I didn't either. And that's not really when he, he actually emerges in 2010 with uh, uh, in with Ansandis, Ansandis, yeah. yes, and and so it's kind of weird to be like lumping him in with PTA and all these other. I people. know, but I will say, I think in the past ten years, Denis is like mm-hmm. probably my my so, favorite. And so he would have been the winner of the two thousands for me if he had just made that movie six months later. Did you did you say Alfonso? Did you have Alfonso? No. Yeah, he's 90s. He's 90s as well. He's 90s as well. This is what I'm talking about, guys. It's a great. This fucking decade. Right. I forgot about Alfonso. I forgot about Alfonso and Guillermo, which is no mm. bueno on my, on my part. Um, okay. You want to move on? I, I just think, think we need to. Okay, fine. Okay. What hour mark are we? Anyway, Who knows? Like an hour point. and a half. <laughs> okay. That's okay. Okay, here we go. The 2000s. Jonathan Glazer. Oh, I love Jonathan Glazer. Ryan Johnson. Mm. Great. Judd Apatow. Todd Phillips. A pitcher pong virusethical. Todd Phillips is 90s, my friend, no? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Road trip? Road trip. 2000? Okay, go ahead. John Favreau, Miranda July, J.J. Abrams, Sarah Polly, Ben Affleck, Tony Gilroy, Taika Waititi, Barry Jenkins, Charlie Kaufman, Steve McQueen, Martin McDonough, Damien Chazelle, Carrie Joji Fukunaga, Asif Kapadia, Asghar Farhadi, Sean Baker, Deborah Granick, personal favorite Edgar Wright, and Bong Joon Ho. Um, did you say Michelle Gondry? No, interesting. He has really fallen out of my mind as a because once upon a time, no, you're right. You're he right. Was in that cohort, uh, Safdie brothers. I guess they are. Own, I guess they are. Daddy in the 2000s. I guess they are. Two thousand nine. Huh. Oh, they're gonna be mad at me. 
<laughs> I don't know what to do about that. Amanda has a big grin on her face. Who did I forget? And she's staring well, I, at Sean. I am using a technicality to to win, which is that, uh, so yeah, so the Virgin Suicides uh, debuted at Cannes in 1999, but it was released commercially in 2000. So I shall be claiming Sofia Coppola for no, the 2000s. No, you cannot. Yes, I can. No, no, no. Yes, I can. No, no, we no. said at the beginning of the podcast, commercial release. Yes, Cannes we did. Film Festival is a commercial was, release. No, it's not. You can buy a ticket. You can buy, screen. I've been to Cannes. Okay. You have to buy a ticket well, to get into the that theater. That is elitist. And I am a woman of the people, <laughs> as previously established yeah. on this podcast. You'll have to talk about your, your no, no, second no. favorite then. Because <sighs> Sophia was up there for me in the 90s. She, she, she was... She, how was she up there for you? I mean, she was, she was very there. cool in the 90s. I also... You no, know, no, no, no. I mean, not, not on yeah. my list for okay. 90s filmmakers. Okay. You cannot pick Sophia. I think that you are two men telling me what the rules are in a way that's unfair. Sam We've already established it. the game and came to the show. Why don't to you do pick? Is she? Would you? If she's in the nineties, which she is, mm-hmm. it's does does Nancy Meyer still stand? It's like the two halves of my personality. So I think that we have to. You have to let me do this. You have to let me express myself. Well, then we also can I just say as another point of order, so the Ringer did a whole 1999 movies package last year, and, and we deemed and Virgin, Virgin Suicides, Suicides ineligible. But if you go on IMDb, it is 1999, so, right? Yeah, but IMDb is run by people in their basements. You can't trust IMDb for anything. I think it's run by a trillion dollar corporation. I know. Well, they redesigned whatchamacallit, and so now what, the box office mojo, that's them. So this I'm is mad. appropriate. It's like being born on uh, a leap year day. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like Sophia just exists in her own plane of existence. Sure. She's, she's operating outside of the constraints of this game, and she persists I can't, proudly. She's really important to me, and I can't okay. believe that you guys are trying to take no, her no, away if, from if me. If you're really going to do this. I, like, I can't tell you how much I Then I, I got to rethink my odds. By the way, can we just talk about the decade for a second? Yeah, definitely. What happened here? I don't know. There's what some good people. That's, that's, that's another reason. Just let me it's, have Sophia so I we know. can have someone good to talk I about. Know. I think what you see, though, on this list is very interesting because it is basically the current modern vanguard. If you look at Barry, Steve McQueen, yes. Chazelle, mm-hmm. Taika, Brian Johnson, Safties, these are the people that we, when we're, when we're on this show every week, we're like, I can't wait for this person's next right. movie. And so that's meaningful. And Glazer's got a movie coming out this year. I you can't know? wait. And he is, but Glazer's not talked about a lot. Because he's only made three movies. I know, but they're all fucking great. I all of them. them. He also is... Do you, how do you feel about Glazer? I feel the same way that every time you ask me about this person who like makes a austere, beautiful movie like every other decade. You which don't is love like, it. It's not that I don't love it. I just don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Got which it. is, like honestly, maybe a failure on my part. No, nothing. Yeah. Amanda... I don't no, know. it's not a failure. It, I mean, he's a difficult person to evaluate. He is. Well, I he's don't. He's made know. a lot of commercials and and music videos. They're they're all brilliant. Yes, he has probably the maybe the single strongest visual sense he's, of any of his contemporaries, yes. which is po- profound. I wish the scripts for some of his films were better, because I think sometimes if he had a if he had stronger scripts, he'd be closer I to Kubrick. Know. Sexy Beast is pretty... F- great script. Birth, not a great script. That, okay. And Under the Skin, I think, is 75% of a great script, but an overwhelmingly well-made one. movie. I love Under the Skin, but it is low on entertainment value. Yeah. It's... I'm just trying to have fun at the movies. I, I feel you. So am I. <laughs> um, it's a tricky... It's a, it's a tricky did, time. So the Sofia Coppola thing did not fuck with your list? 
or your pick? She's in like the top seven in the 90s to me. That was where how I viewed her. No, but now that Amanda is cheating and moving her in the cheating. odds. Cheating? I'm using the I've known that Amanda is a cheat and a liar for a long time. To my advantage. Um, and she'll do anything she can <laughs> to, to elevate this conversation the... <laughs> and world cinema. So you're welcome. The reason this was a good idea to come onto this show to do this is that there is a, a complex and devious uh, air of competition between us. And we're always like having to pick things and who gets the most things right and right, who does right, right. right, right. So she won't, she's not going to give this she's up. She's not going to, okay. She's like, I decided it is the way that it is. Amanda, <sighs> also worth noting, is an only child. Yes, I am. That matters. You, you have siblings, right? I do, I do. I have siblings. And Amanda does not. No. So we know how to share. Okay. I'm sharing my love of <laughs> Sofia Coppola with both of you and everyone listening to this podcast. Um, Did you, I mean, my pick was going to be Bong. Me too. But... Fuck. You would have taken What's Sophia if I, I don't What's know. What's your favorite Sophia? I mean, I love Marie Antoinette. As do I. I, I mean, I, th- I, to me, that's like one of those experiences where I'm like, okay, I've never seen that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where Same. And like, and also, for me, it's also a little bit of like, huh, I never realized that I look at the world that way. And I mean, Sophia has like a very singular vision and I will never, and taste, and I will never meet it. But that sense of recognizing your worldview or how you perceive things and also it looking fucking dope. Yeah. Cause it does. Fuck. That's my girl. All right. Well, I'm going to stick with bond because okay. I think Amanda's cheating. Okay. That's my official, I'm a visionary, my you know, official, it's not easy ruling. here. And you're going to go with bond. I am. Okay. I mean, I, I, By the I, way, I very seriously w- might have gone with him even if parasite had never happened. No, I like I, his I, other movies. So I do too. I did too. So, you know, that was part of what Who was, was so your fun close second. This. Glazer was my number two runner up and, I just think that the Ryan Johnson train continues uh, I love to Ryan con- continues to. Yeah. I mean, his his filmography now looks more and more impressive as the days go by. Yeah. So, and I, one suspects he's actually going to keep getting better and going to get more opportunities to do whatever he wants. So, you know, he's he's up there in conversation. Any conversation around Ben Affleck? You know what? I rewatched the last forty five minutes of The Town last night. Oh, that's a good. Point. Which in many the what I caught is just like a Michael Mann ripoff, but. Uh, Great movie. The really fact good. That you know that it's a Michael Mann ripoff. I re- I listen to you guys. I don't always <laughs> like it, but I listen. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you know? so what is your close number two in the Ottoman? Which Bong is actually the real is answer. really up there for me. Since Sophia doesn't count. Um, I, Sophia so Bong counts. is the real answer. I think, I think Bong is. I think I think pretty we're, formidable. I'm surprised I, I, that Sean didn't do uh, Chazelle. Damien, yeah, I was gonna say I think we're underrating Barry and Damien. Yeah. Um, well, I would I would say we're underrating the Safties. Probably. Given mm-hmm. given Probably. good time, and uncut gems. I mean, I just think to me, if I were a betting man, that would be the career. I, I mean, I mean, Bong has obviously already done it, but I think they're gonna have a, a, the next ten years is gonna be fucking. Crazy. I. Crazy good. In many ways, worship the stuff that they make. I mean, I, the Uncut Gems is still the one of the most pure expressions of things that I'm interested in that I've ever seen. It's actually scary to me how close it is. I also think that they just run amazingly hot. And it's just, who I have no idea where they're going to go as filmmakers. Yeah. I have no idea what's going to happen if someone's like, what you deserve is $75 million to make your movie. Is that going to go well? I don't know. I hope so. I pray to God. I think they're... I don't know. I think they're going to have, if they feel like, because I think they could have done that after a good time. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were going to, they got offered remakes. Well, they, this was their dream whatever. movie. They had been dying right. to make this movie for 10 years. Yeah. I love them. So I they tr- know I, I trust. Yeah, I trust. They, know. I, I trust. they are like the crystallization of all of you and your interests in such specific way that I feel real affection for them. Also, I mean, it's just like a excellent movie. Yes. yes. Um, 
now to the 2010s. 2010s. Shorter, this, shorter so, list. And that, well, this is harder because we don't have. I mean, they just debuted in the past ten years, so we don't have a lot to go on, right? Some in some cases, only a, a movie or two. Mm-hmm. So this is harder for that reason. But yes, yes, I, I'm sure I've forgotten some people here, so I will let you. And, I, and honestly, I took some people off after seeing a couple of their second or third features. Yeah, which is tough, right? And that may be unfair. You know, maybe if you if we played this game for Martin Scorsese in the '70s. Maybe you would have felt like, oh, actually, I didn't like Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Maybe you wouldn't feel as strongly about one of his films. That's, that's, that, that is that's true. What I'm saying. That we have that's given credit to careers. There's a, and there's a much shorter leash. Stewardship as much as we have to. There's probably directors that we're not even going to mention that will make their third or fourth film in the next five years that will change this whole thing. But there's two stone cold, three stone cold obvious picks. They're Jordan Peele, Ryan Coogler, and Greta Gerwig. I think that that's probably the sort of the, what's thought to be the top of the heap. Here are some others. Mike Flanagan, Drew Goddard, Chad Stahelski, Jennifer Kent, Robert Eggers, Alex Garland, Ari Aster, Bradley Cooper, and Olivia Wilde. Mm. Um, and I would throw in Vince Gilligan. So, so we hadn't considered that because we don't think of El Camino as a movie, but it is a movie and it did play in movie theaters. Yep, and uh, yeah, commercially available. I, he's another guy, though, who I'm like, I, I mean, it just like with you. I, yeah, I know. You, what, movie, you want, he, way, what he does would be so good for a yes. film. My pick is Greta. It's obviously my pick as well. Yeah. I, I just, look, I don't like period films. I don't like period dramas. I definitely do not like period costume dramas. I know this is everything but you, like you love. I do like Sense and Sensibility, yeah. but that... And Ang Lee, by the way, was up there for me. But I mean, I don't know. He was very, he's very hit or miss for me. Me too. Um, like little, I felt way, I was excited watching mm-hmm. Little Women. Yeah. I was excited. I I did not, it was the last batch of screeners and I threw it in and I was like, well, I don't, because it's just like, it's not my thing. It's not my genre. I don't, I don't, I, I've never gotten into it. Um, even movies that I think are well-crafted and well-made. Um, but holy shit. She fucking excited the shit. And that that to me, I mean, I mean, Lady Bird to me is like a flawless, one of the best high school films ever made. If could have surpassed Days and Confused for me is maybe the best high school film ever made. But um, but yeah, Greta Gerwig, Little Women. I mean, I think she's made two masterpieces. I don't know if I can say that about the other film. Anybody else. That's interesting. I mean, we were talking about it earlier this week, just about how she also very smartly has just basically has a brand and power now and has the ability to maybe not do anything she wants, but the, her future just seems so amazingly unpredictable and exciting. And that is a part of this game too, is like who will get to have the next 20 years where you're just like, I just want to see everything. Well, she, you know, the, one of the, one of the defining, the, one of the, re, one of the things that in, in picking in any, any of these directors, it's do I want to watch every movie that this person makes from now on? And will I be there on opening night? That's like the follow up, right? Um, Greta Gerwig has that for me now. Like in a way that, and then Jordan was like a close second for me. He's my pick. Yeah. I, that's a good backup. Yeah. But it's not, also, even, it's not even a backup. That's like a. That's like good. That's a good. That's a good, that's a good pick. Like that yeah. year between Get Out and Lady Bird, I was like, I don't know what to fucking yeah. say. I don't 2017. know. Two thousand seventeen. It was a good time. Did, was your was your pick Get Out that year? 
between I, it was my it was my it, my favorite over Ladybird, but all in, in addition to that, and was yours Ladybird? We it was. we both I think both of us stupidly ch- thought it was going to win Best Picture. Yeah, hoping for Get what out. we got with Parasite. Yes, we did like the three days before. I don't know. I feel something in the air. Maybe yes. it'll be Get Out, and then you we were Parasite wrong. Yeah, you know, sticking yeah. our finger in the air. Yeah, and so then we didn't do that this year, and we were wrong. I was happy to be wrong. Um, do you? I mean, you have talked at length about Greta on this show. Is there anything else that Sam didn't say that you want to say about her? No, I. Sam summarized my reaction to to watching a Greta Gerwig film as well. I think that there was just so instantly like a filmmaking personality and universe at work, mm. which can be true of uh, people as well as you know mass IP franchises. And to, it's a great way of describing it. And to know that you're in her world and so instantly is requires such a command not just at, like the script and and casting every element of it is, is like so precise even though i think the thing that's amazing about little women in particular is like the energy it's not like a stuffy course it's of not, it that's they're a, all talking yes. all over each other and running around and there yes. is something so exuberant about it but that you can have such like exuberant precision is something I've never seen before. Now, do you like those stuffy versions of those movies? Some of them, yeah. I think there are good ones and bad ones. I think like A Room with a View is transcendent. But do you appreciate Little Women more? I'm just curious. I do, yeah, because... That, you do appreciate it more. I do feel like that is a genre that I... Like, it's comforting for me. You know, some of it is also what you grow up on. Are, have you seen, and this is a TV show, the... um. Downton Abbey. The, no, no. okay. Well, that's I good. Can't. But the um, and that actually does Cannot have do some it. energy. But the nineties mm. uh, Pride and Prejudice, the BBC with Colin Firth and Jennifer. I Ely. did not watch that. So that was just something that Nor was I. on, and it's like this, so that's this is very ca- so, weird. But uh, it's like you know, there's like so Seinfeld like, is on, and then also I like had those DVDs and I would watch them. I've just seen it all the time, so I have like a baseline understanding of how those things work, and so it's exciting to see that reinvented. So you're saying like Pride and Prejudice yeah. miniseries yeah. Is, was to you like They Live or... Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it so many times. I've seen like the Joe the Wright Pride and Prejudice so many times. The Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice is very good and really underrated. People don't like it because it's a little too dramatic, but... I'm pro-Rosamund Pike, so yeah. I like it. See, that's the thing. That's the thing that I think you, you said it. You said it best when you... Greta does took that a genre that I had no interest sure. in and just injected all this. It, she injected inter- entertainment. To yeah. It. And like she I made it entertaining. You can me. appreciate that whether you're a giant fan of the genre like I am or if you've never, because there is this, that, that essential energy. I've just also like, I haven't seen that many movies with like a large group of women like physically tumbling over each other and fighting with each other and talking over each other. And it's not a cat fight and it's not like some sort of bridesmaid nightmare. It's just like a group, of, which we get all of the time or it's not like fucking Charlie's Angels with some girl power shit. It's just like rambunctious women with ideas and energy. And that like, it's it's wild that that is so rare on on screen and like in films of this level. But she did it. So shout out to her. The one thing about Greta that I love is that I don't feel an influence on her. She, maybe she's got influences, but it just feels pretty original to me. I don't know what but she. If you talk to her, I'm sure she, she has her influence. She, she yeah. knows. No, no, no. Everything. I'm not debating her. She is as much of a nerd about this as all three. No, of I'm us. sure she is. 
But I think when I watch one of her movies, it feels like I'm discovering something that I have not. Like, I, I mean, I can draw parallels with the Safties and Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson and Jonathan Demi Connection and Altman Connection. They're very uh, what personal. It, what is it with Greta? I don't know. I, I th- don't... I, I, you know, the I truth is, is there have just not been a lot of women who have been able to make these movies in the way that they want to. And a lot, a lot of female filmmakers who went into Hollywood got squeezed. And she was very defiant, purposefully so, in the making of Lady Bird. And she got to chart her own path. She had the right producer. She basically got the Scott Rudin, Eli Bush ticket. And they let her make her movie. And then likewise, she found Amy Pascal. And Amy Pascal let her make her movie. Now, she had fights throughout the whole thing, just like every other filmmaker does. But she got more, I think, more leash than somebody 30 years ago in her position would have gotten. I know that for a fact, Mm -hmm. just because of where our culture is right now. And that's only going to continue to be true. There's only going to be more women that are going to get to make their movies in the way that they want to. And they they were just more constrained than someone even like Martin Scorsese, who we think of as this, like, bastion of defiance in the face of good taste and fighting for that viscera that you're talking about all the time on this show. I just think it's really more the beginnings of something than it is a truly unique person. She obviously is a singularly talented person, but we're going to see more of this. I just know it. Like, look at the three top picks that we made here. Jordan Peele, Ryan Coogler, and Greta Gerwig. Two African-American filmmakers and a woman. That just wasn't even close to true for Mm -hmm. any of the previous decades we talked about. So the shit's changing. Should we talk briefly about Jordan Peele? Well, I I chose him for the opposite reason that Sam was describing about Greta, which is that he just makes the exact kind of movie that I love. I picked John Carpenter earlier. Those are my favorite kinds of movies, yeah. really. Um, and I, I'll watch a really bad version of a movie like that and kind of enjoy it. Yeah. And he makes, like, the best version of it. I mean, Get Out is just so incomparable yeah. to anything else and so smart. And even Us, which has kind of gone through the washing machine of yeah. takes over the last year— but it's just like there's nobody there. There are no mainstream filmmakers trying to make us right. Like, it's he's so by himself. And honestly, Carpenter and you you would know better than me. He was not very successful. I mean, I love him, but it's just very up. His down. films were not. I mean, the thing is his masterpiece, and I'm sure I think that, that was not a, a hit. That was yeah. a flop. Yeah, that was not a hit. But th- these movies that he made were genre films, but they were really smart and they were really saying something about um, about what the world was going through at the time, and that's. That's exactly what Jordan does. Exactly. But the re and so it was very close. And again, I I I the razor thin margin here where I where I lean towards Greta was I think it's rare. I mean, again, I'll repeat, a lot of the filmmakers we've picked, you could see the influences, Nancy Myers, mm-hmm. um, even Sofia Coppola. But Greta feels unabashedly original. I can't, and maybe it's just because I haven't seen a lot of period dramas. I don't know. Maybe you can tell me differently. No, but like I do honestly think at some point it's a pretty singular brain. I, like, is, I just honestly the, think that's what it is. And she is a rare, great way of channeling it on screen where you understand it. And it's you almost like she's inventing something. can relate to it and be like, oh, okay, well, I've never really met a person like this. The Little Women comp that has always made the most sense to me is Pulp Fiction. We've seen plenty of movies like Pulp Fiction before that are just like crime dramas that feature an ensemble cast. Just like we've seen plenty of movies like Little Women before. We've seen literally Little Women before. Right. But the way that she re-envisioned, sliced and diced, and recontextualized the meaning of the characters and the choices that they make. Especially the singular. ending. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. people love her and they want to be on her set ending. and they want to be around her. Yeah. That's that's a huge part of this too is we haven't talked about that aspect of it. It's like, it goes back to the Rob Reiner thing. Yeah. Those people just liked making those movies. Yeah. Jack Nicholson sitting in the chair for every single take on A Few Good Men and doing the lines with Cruz, even though he could have walked off and gone back to his trailer, is because he likes doing it and he wants to be on that set with Rob Reiner. It's the same thing with Greta. Watch the Q&As for that movie. Yeah. The way that her cast 
fucking worships her. That's all you need to know. That's how you know she'll she'll she probably won't make a bad movie. It's pretty exciting. Sam, how do you feel about Joe rejecting Lori? Just personally? I think it, no, it makes sense, okay. right? All right. Do you not agree I, with I, this? I mean, I've no, it obviously it makes sense. I, you know, it's like a whole long feminist thing of like obviously she she doesn't need to be with anyone and she should pick herself but then it's also Timothy Chalamet as Lori so it's like it's tough but you know can I say the, can, I, can I go to the ending because yeah. you probably know the book and yeah, yeah 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 that is not the ending of the book no. cannot be the ending of the book N- which sense her with well, the professor yeah oh yeah that it is May- sorry no, that's the ending oh, yeah. of the book. Yeah, yes, yeah. But I remember watching it being like, feeling dread. Is this going to end with them? Right. And then she fucking mocks it. Yes. And like, and like, it's and I'm great. like. It's really good. She's a genius. Yeah. She's fucking great. Any guesses on anybody in the 2020s? That we're, we've got six weeks worth of movies so far. Well, you've been to Sundance. You two have been to Sundance. So you must have seen some debuts. Mm. Lee Isaac Chung. Did Minari. you? Was that? I was just Googling, yeah. is that a debut? Who? Yeah. That Lee Isaac Chung thing. made a movie called Minari that's coming yeah. out later this oh, year. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the thing that won. The and one. Every, won yeah. and it's amazing. It's and it's really, really, wonderful. really good. And it's also just like, you know, when you sit down and you see somebody and you're like, this person has it. Mm-hmm. This person has it. And he has it. Okay. What else? I don't think I saw that much. Well, I'm checking out Sonic the Hedgehog soon, so we'll see if Jeff Fowler's debut feature. That's no? his debut? And as far as I know, yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Inauspicious, perhaps. <laughs> um, I don't know. Was there anything else premiere-wise, first-time-wise? Well, I year. don't think so. It, at Sundance? It's not that I saw, anyway. I didn't go to Sundance. Don't look at me. Okay. No, I mean, most of the films we saw were, like, I didn't mention Eliza Hittman in the 2010s, for example. She had a movie there called Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Oh, yes. How is, is that? A genius-level movie. I mean, she is really an amazing artist, but she is much more in the lineage of, like, Kelly Riker. She makes very small, intimate movies, and she's probably going to keep doing so because she's not a kind of a quote-unquote commercial filmmaker. So how do you evaluate someone like that? It's a little challenging. We, we never said, oh, Kelly Riker should be there, but, like, Kelly Riker's never made a bad movie. She's got eight great films. It's just... That's true. You know, there's there's a mainstreamness that I think ultimately this game rewards. Choosing Quentin. Mm -hmm. Quentin is, despite the insanity of a lot of his films, he's a big time commercial filmmaker. But then, but then we picked Bong and Sophia, and I don't know if you consider either one of those mainstream. I mean, maybe Bong now is mainstream. Maybe I don't know. He's like a social movement at this point. Well. Yes, 90s, we weirdly did go, man. You went Nancy. I did Which go you can't Nancy. go more mainstream than yeah, Nancy. Yeah, that's true. And like we went said, Quentin. Woman of the people. What does that say about us? I don't, that's fucked up. Because the 90s was like the birth uh, of indie. I I, are you, do you identify as a Gen X person? I don't think I could do that. Okay, you well, don't. But would you I mean, I probably am. Old I don't millennial know. then? I'm 42. What does that make me? That makes you Gen X. I think that makes you Gen X. Makes okay. you, which, like, I'm 77. So, okay, Very young great. Gen X. Well, but I think you being resistant to the mainstream and sharing with other uh, other people is partially explained by that. And I don't identify as Gen X. And so I'm not as bothered by the fact that we picked some popular oh, things that people have seen. No, I'm. I, what I'm saying is... You're is a that, poptimist. <laughs> yeah, that has become fraud as well. But I mean, I'm saying, like, look, I love Back to the Future. It's one of my favorite yeah, movies of all yeah. time. I'm not against mainstream. I just was... It's weird that, like, the 90s, which is, like, the most indie right. of decades, right. we went Quentin and you went Nancy. But all those people that arose... At I that guess time, they, became... they wanted to be, and they wanted to be. They those were ambitious people, from Quentin to Sophia to Fincher. They all wanted to be. They idolized a lot of those '70s filmmakers, 
and Sophia grew up in the in the glow she of did. that time. Yeah. And they aspired to true artistry on a on with a major audience, which is to me is the that is that is movies ultimately for me. That as much as I love David Lynch, what I like is when high art collides with big audience. The weird thing about Lynch and you're you're right. I mean, look, no one sees his movies except us. Um, yes, us. But um you don't even I like kinda. I said, you I, kinda, I, I check, did what I could and, but and I'm out. by no means a scholar. That's but true. Weirdly, I because I am not I mean, Amanda's gonna laugh when they say this, but I am not actually that big of a snob. Like I don't think you're a snob. I don't love I don't I don't love Ozu. Yeah. I think sure. it's I think it's fucking it's boring. Slow. Yeah. It's slow. I need to be entertained. I love Lynch because I mean I dare anyone to watch Mulholland Drive and not be entertained by that movie even if you don't understand what's going on it's fucking entertaining I agree I mean there is fucked up shit going on from minute to minute but in the same way that I'm very entertained by little women you know like I, it, that's it's not necessarily fucked up shit from minute to minute right. but it is exciting and exhilarating from minute to minute you know and I need that you know I think we've drawn Honest conclusions about our true selves. <laughs> I don't know what it said said about ourselves. That's but. the beauty of podcasting so is you can put yeah. it out in the world and then people will tell you right away yeah. what they think. Now that we have done this, yes. how do you guys feel about the game? Was this a worthwhile oh, a, endeavor? Yeah, it's a great game. I mean, it's the the, the only thing I ever want to do. Great. Can I ask a question because I, I, I feel like we're about to end? Yeah. Why don't you ever be on the interviews with Sean? Just out of curiosity. I think that's just... Is that you know, something you would I, like to do? One of my demands with Sean... Yes. I, I'm calling yeah. it demands because sure, I'm yeah, being yeah, dramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that you were going to do this with us. Well, I do think that this is a conversation where we all three want to be heard from equally is much easier than an interview where there's oh, one person. And I don't like... You actually might have some great insights uh, on this as someone who is interviewed a lot. But I like... I just think you would ask different questions than Sean. Probably. And, but at the end of the day, like, I, I think interviewers are getting in the way are annoying. So I like, uh, I want to hear from the person. So fair. if there are two people, That's it's a journalistic integrity. And yeah. to be okay. fair, I really do try to stay out of the way in the interviews yeah. if I can. Like, the way that I talk on this show when it's Amanda and I is a lot different than right. when I talk to a filmmaker. Because it's, those are, like, less of, like, conversations and more of we want to hear from person X. I hear that. That Which doesn't mean value. that it shouldn't happen, and frankly, it probably should happen. Has Greta been on the show? She has. she has, yeah. And you interviewed her. I did. I've interviewed her a couple times on this show. She's yeah. next time Amanda mm-hmm. can interview her. I, but I've I, had would, my I would be really Greta. nervous. That's the other thing. Is like I have a real "Don't Meet Your Heroes" situation. Uh, so, and yet you let Sam. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, I wait was, a minute. Yeah. I'm sitting right here, Amanda. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's really just Greta. The list of the list is very short. Um, Sam S. Mail, man. This has been you very fun. So much. This is a blast. Thank you so much for suggesting this to us. I had a great time. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>